Napoleonism. I don't know. <laughs> now you're just making stuff up. Yes? How is that different from every other time? <laughs> All right, let's do this. Yeah. yeah. Everybody and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Danielle. I'm Sam. And this is the podcast where one of us explains a weird piece of media to the other who has no experience with it. I'm no experienced Sam. That's what they call me. <laughs> yes, it's on all of your name tags when you go to events. <laughs> That's right. Every time you can just find me in the crowd going, I have no experience. Somebody guide me. <laughs> Hello, my name is No Experienced Sam. <laughs> That's not cumbersome at all. <laughs> not at all. Anyway, Sam, you definitely don't have experience with, with what we're doing today. So that is the I'm idea. Not nervous about this at all. <laughs> so today we're doing a book, 2011 book called Flat Out Love by Jessica Park. All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> I can tell the title think, already why you knew I didn't have any experience with it. But you don't know why it's called this. I can guess. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can I just sense the genre, I feel. Let me send you a summary of this, Sam. Yes, uh, I'm going to tell you right insight. now, the, the summaries that were online, pretty much all the same summary. It was like 12 pages long. So I literally only check out the first couple sentences. It tells you nothing. That's fine. I mean, when do our summaries ever really help? Danielle, that's not the point. The point is they're in a moose-bouche to get you all excited for what you're going to tell me. I really feel like this does summarize the novel, however. Oh. All right, here we go. Something is seriously off in the Watkins home. Period. And Julie Siegel, college freshman, small-town Ohio transplant, and the newest resident of a Boston house, is determined to get to the bottom of it. That's a real sentence, isn't it? It's something. I mean, it felt like a sentence fragment and also a run-on sentence at the same time. I don't know how it did that. That's amazing. Yeah, and yet it's on every single thing on the internet, so there we go. And then right. like 12 pages more of, of details. In fact, it tells you all of the interesting things about the book, so that's why I cut it all out for you. I mean, I also love college freshman and small town Ohio transplant and the newest resident of this house. So the question is, is this a boarding house, I'm assuming? Mm, nope. We're going to get there, Sam. Is we're this a sorority house? Now I'm excited. <laughs> no, not that Oh, either. well, okay. I don't care anymore. <laughs> All right. Let's start this. Okay. <laughs> so as I mentioned, Julie Siegel, newly minted freshman in college, has Wait, shown up. I got to be clear. This is Siegel, S-E-A-G-L-E, not Siegel as the bird. Yes, correct. Which would be Sam. much better. <laughs> it would be, but unfortunately not. Uh, I her, can dream. her last name does not matter. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like Siegel. It does. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. It could be Sigle. <laughs> <laughs> Please pronounce it Sigle from now on. <laughs> if it comes up again, I will try to remember. All right, great. So she has shown up to her sight unseen apartment in Boston from her, as I said, small town in Ohio, because all towns are small in Ohio. <laughs> Ooh, Bird of Ohio. You know what? I grew up in the Midwest. I can say whatever I want about Ohio. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. I mean, we're Ohio. We'll have to say I'm about sorry, that. Sorry, Ohio. I can't help myself. Also, Danielle, I insist this is sixth place in Boston. You got to do Boston accents. I'm, oh, boy. I'm not going to be doing that. <laughs> oh, darn. I can't even hear what in my head right now. <laughs> 
Well, you can't you can't just like replay Goodwill Hunting in your head and do one of those. I can't, unfortunately. I can't. I just for whatever reason cannot bring it to the forefront of my mind. Perhaps you can, Sam. Delight our audience with your Bostonian oh, Danielle, accent. Uh, this is not my show. This is your <laughs> show. <laughs> Don't try to offload your responsibilities onto me. If you want to hear accents, listen to Sam's episodes. He often does one. <laughs> I know, and they're terrible, but I do them. <laughs> We appreciate that. You're welcome. So unfortunately for Julie Siegley, there you go. <laughs> suppose that apartment is actually a burrito restaurant. Oh no. Uh when is this book written? 2011. They had like Google then, right? And like yeah, maps. I think it might have been a Craigslist listing. <laughs> Ooh. So she did a Craigslist listing for a place to live and it's just a, a burrito. She like, wow, that is ballsy, Julie. I know. It's it's wild. Nobody came and checked out this apartment. So she calls her mom, who's basically shocked because she sent her first last and security deposit. Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> No, 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 no. You just got scammed. Super bad. So she basically tells her daughter, like, okay, I'll see what I can come up with. But unfortunately, there is a housing shortage in Boston right now. New school, freshman year, all that good stuff. Oh, what's changed? Yeah, I know. So she ends up calling her old college friend, Erin. And she hasn't spoken to this woman in years, but she just wants to see, like, do you know of any options? What You know, what's what's around? You live there. And Erin ends up offering to let Julie stay at their house in the interim until she's able to find another apartment. Well, that's nice of them. It is very nice. So it is a boarding house, basically. Well, in that the family lives there and they let her stay in the spare room. <laughs> is this going to... Uh, I hope she's like a um, Mary Poppins situation. No. <laughs> Not a this little doesn't nanny, go like, anywhere you think it's going, Sam. <laughs> I, I want them to put her to work. You got to earn your keep, Julie well, Sigley. actually kind of do that, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So their son, his name's Matt. He's 21. He's a student at MIT. Ooh, he, hunky, sexy, smarty Matt. No. Well, he's not hunky sexy. I think he's just like relatively cute. So he picks her up from the burrito Harsh. shop. He's a geek. I mean, that's why he's at MIT, I guess. Hey! Hey! I'm sure there's lots of non-geeks at MIT. Yeah, don't be disparaging geeks here, Danielle. We'll you lose all what? our audience. <laughs> I think he kind of like... We're geeks. He kind of yeah, I know. Just and us, embodies like. it. He's just like, that's cool. I am what I am. He doesn't care. That's what makes him really attractive. It's confidence, Daniel. Right. That must be it. And Julie had absolutely no stones to throw because she wants to be an English major and she loves school. So I don't know why she's giving him such a hard time about it. Ooh, Julie, that's not how you hook a man. You know that every woman's job when she gets to college is to get her MRS degree, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, then we lost a bunch of listeners. Sorry. No. <laughs> Please, please don't hurt me. I swear that's not what I really think. <laughs> Sam's not as bad as you just sounded. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I implore you, do not take that out of context. <laughs> He's the opposite of that, actually. He's <laughs> fabulous. You go, Sam. Oh, thank you. That, that almost redeemed me from that terrible joke. <laughs> just listen to our other podcasts. They'd know. It's <laughs> true. Ugh. So she does appreciate that he came to get her and he gives her kind of a small tour of Boston. She's not really been there before on their way to their house where they live in Cambridge and they seem to be hitting it off, Did you, you know, say friendly Cambridge? wise. Cambridge. That was Cambridge. Well, probably is. <laughs> okay. <I don't> know. <laughs> on their way to their house in Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> like Cambridge? Can you bridge? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know what? It is late. <laughs> it is very late. And Apparently, Boston accents are foreign to Danielle. <laughs> you know what? I just fixed it, Sam. If you could just put in the correct one, you don't have to have this whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, but this is way much more fun, though. <laughs> anyway... 
they seem to be getting along. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they are. So in Cambridge, they arrive at this nice upper class house and he lets her know that everybody's probably about home or are on their way home to meet her. His dad and sister Celeste are on their way back from a meeting at Celeste's school and they'll be eating some takeout because nobody in the house apparently cooks. Well, sure. Sure. I go for it. She jokes. She's like, well, as long as it's not burritos, I'll be thrilled. And Matt gets like, it's (laughs) burritos. Matt gets very serious for a second and he's like, Julie? And she's like, oh my gosh, it's burritos. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. Could he <laughs> not she, tell she was joking? No, he, he he stops her. He's like, no, I should probably tell you. And then he sort of like trails off in the conversation. And then she's like, oh my gosh, your parents are super annoyed. I'm like being pushed on to them. Nobody wants some random stranger in their house. Like, And he's like, no, no, that's not it. He clearly is having a hard time expressing whatever he wants to say. But he finally just kind of finishes thought by saying that Celeste is an interesting kid, his sister. Oh, that is way less interesting than burritos. It is. <laughs> Here you thought it was all about burritos. I thought it was going to a really good joke by this guy going like, Julie, Julie Siegley, I have to tell you something. It's very important. I'm very sorry. We are having burritos tonight. But no, yeah, it's about how his sister is no. weird. <laughs> Plot, I guess. And Julie you know, takes it with a great result. She doesn't know what's going on. She's like, that's cool. I like interesting. Like, I like it a lot. We're good. So is they she head a vampire? Inside. Yes. <laughs> Plot twist. She eats them all. <laughs> <laughs> You're the snack, Julie. <laughs> uh, no, it even goes weirder than that. Okay. <laughs> wow. You're really building this up, Daniel. If you can't deliver really, on this um, one, I'm going to be very okay. disappointed. <laughs> You'll find out in a second. So this whole family is very academic. The mom is a lawyer and a professor. The dad is uh, like a researcher. The kid goes to MIT. The the daughter who's 13, Celeste, is also very intelligent. And she, Julie kind of fits right in. She loves this whole environment because her mom's you're not like that where she's back home in Ohio. Nerds of a feather, I suppose. So the dad travels a lot for work, but he's in town right now. And um, Aaron's really excited to see Julie because she and Julie's mom, as I said, haven't stayed in touch all this time. But they were really good friends in college. And according to Aaron, your college friends are your best friends <laughs> for life, <laughs> which... Eh. Okay. No regrets. I love my college friend, but like I have other friends too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I, I, you know, I do talk to my college friends, but I'm actually closer to other friends. <laughs> They're good people. Love them to death. Would not have enjoyed my time nearly as much without them. But apparently, 20 years later or something, you will drop everything to house their child. Well, so- we'll see what happens in 20 years. <laughs> Matt's a little, clearly a little anxious about whatever the situation and let, letting Julie into their house. And he wants to talk to his mom, but his mom is basically just shrugging him off. Like, it's fine. We'll talk later. No big deal. And she shows Julie to the extra room, which is clearly the room of a boy from the family. So there's a there's a mysterious boy. The mysterious boy. It's not so mysterious. You'll learn in a few minutes. Is, is it like one of those situations where the evil twin is locked up in the basement or whatever? Yes. Oh my gosh. You jumped ahead so far, Sam. How did you okay. know? Well, you know, I've seen a movie or a book or two. Yeah, I mean, I thought Sweet Valley High, Evil Twin, and Evil Twin Returns. I just thought it was time to See, have another Evil Twin. She was a twin, but not a twin of the... Right, she was an Evil Twin of them. She was someone else pretending to be like, I want an actual Evil Twin, Danielle. Well, they, I mean, they did have the two twins, and arguably, was it Jessica? is a little sketchy. <laughs> uh, the, they both were sketchy. Like, <laughs> you had an evil set of twins, and the angelic set of twins, who were also murderers, so that didn't help. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, not Sweet <laughs> Valley. <laughs> yeah, Sweet Valley High. It's weird. <laughs> Listen to it, everybody. It's a great uh, couple of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly was confused. <laughs> if you'd like some evil twins. Or something. I'm not really sure. <laughs> 
Still up for debate. So she settles into the room. She's, this is kind of where you get a little bit of character development on this lovely character that um, is arguably not a great character. So you she mean settles Julie in. Julie C. Gray is not a full flesh three dimensional character. She is, but she's also a little annoying, especially at the beginning. Uh huh. So she's thinking about her old Ohio town. And as I said, she's not necessarily the most likable protagonist, but she basically talks about how her family and friends didn't get her academic leadings. She had used her winnings from an essay contest to buy her Mac laptop that she has. And, and she likes it better than her phone because she's a traditional typist. Oh, Julie. <laughs> love that. She's just like, I'm so much better than everyone in my small town. I have a Mac and I like books. <laughs> and I like to use an actual computer and not a phone because she wanted a semblance of punctuation in capital letters. And apparently you can't do that on a phone, Sam. Just impossible. <laughs> As someone who is a consummate nerd in academia, I gotta say, I find her attitude very off-putting. <laughs> it's very annoying in the beginning. And apparently, right before she went off to college, her boyfriend broke up with her, and he went Smart. to state, state school, I believe. And you're Good like, for him. well, Julie. <laughs> Can you blame, like, she's gonna look down on me for my whole life for going to the state school. I don't want to be, like, dating that kind of person. I wonder if she told him that she liked to be a traditional typist. <laughs> I wonder if she told him she liked well, I guess if you want to go to a state school, I can just learn to date someone beneath me. And hilariously, some point during this whole tirade, she mentions, they ask her about like why she's going to this small little private school in Boston. It's like not the most well-known school in the whole world, but it's a decent enough school. And she's like, well, I didn't get into some of the other colleges I wanted to. And I didn't have the, you know, the money to go into these other ones. But I'm thinking, you didn't even get into some of the schools you wanted to, Julie. But apparently, you're, you're like... You're too good for you're your small good town. For your yeah. small town. <laughs> Yeah, no, Julie is like the worst kind of snob. <laughs> Definitely at the beginning here. Not fully by the end does she redeem herself either, but here we are. She's still sneaking on her boyfriend, though. Totally like watching him on Facebook. You? I know. So while she's kind of thinking all of this or, you know, thinking all this for the audience, Matt, the the guy, interrupts asking if she needs anything. And she's like, no, but whose room am I in? And Matt explains that it's Finn's, who is their adventurous brother who's out traveling the world right now. So did she just never even inquire about like, hey, this is your whole family? Or did like not introduce like, oh, yes, here are some of our children. We'll not tell you about the others because it's a surprise. I don't think anything was a surprise. I think she literally walked into the house. They're like, let's show you up to your room. Okay. I, I, but I, nobody I, for some reason said, this is the brother's room that was is traveling, so it's a free room for you. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm sorry. I, I was very fuzzy on the timeline here. For some reason, I was in my head that they already had like dinner together oh, or something. No, they're about to have dinner. About that. Okay. No. Yeah, they're about to have dinner. But it is kind of weird that somebody led her to the room and didn't say, this is our other child's room. <laughs> this is our guest room because we've disowned our son. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happened. But we've left it fully decorated for your benefit. <laughs> Yeah, that would happen to me. I feel like my mom would do that. <laughs> Just leave it fully decorated. Well, she'd be like, oh, this this is the dog's room now. You're, you're out of here. <laughs> uh, that seems likely. I think that's exactly what would happen in your yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she comes down to help, Julie does, to, to with the table settings for the takeout. And she notices that there's an extra setting. She's like, should I remove this? There's only going to be the five of us or whatever, right? And Mac is super awkward. He's like, no just just leave that one it's this it's thing for with Celeste. elijah 
<laughs> Sir Elijah, our imaginary friend, he's like, well, I should probably explain, but you know what? Just go with it, because that's how the story goes. Somebody explain something <laughs> here. Come nope. on. This whole book is not explaining things. Well, I, oh. Your favorite kind, Sam. I hate it. So the dinner seems like it's going pretty well. Like I said, she fits in pretty well with his family. She's super academic. I think the dad's an oceanographer, like a researcher oceanographer. And Aaron suggests to Matt, she obviously kind of rides him pretty hard. She suggests that Matt could be doing a bit more on his studying. Like the articles he's using for his independent study seem less challenging than they should be. It's that Man, kind of mom. Does everyone in this book suck already? Like, come on. I mean, Matt's the only guy like I semi-like. Everyone else is kind of like, Matt, you're not trying hard enough. And Julie's like, I'm better than everybody. <laughs> yeah, the, the beginning's a little rough. They get more three-dimensional, <laughs> I promise. Uh, Whether or not you're going to like them by the end is, is up for debate. But that's going to be, I'll have like one of those, um, like an applause meter type thing with how much I like each character. And, and if you just imagine this in your head, the arrow going up and down throughout this episode, because I can't figure out a way to project that into your head through the audio medium of podcasting. But just pretend, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you appraised of how that's going. You can do some claps. The louder they get, the more uh, enthusiastic you are. Yeah, that won't annoy anybody. <laughs> <laughs> do a sound effect. <laughs> so otherwise she finally meets celeste like i said she's a 13 year old sister she's a delight she's a bit quirky as we've established she's very intelligent very straightforward and she offers to help julie pick her classes so she's familiar with the course catalogs because she helped finn with his <laughs> oh fancy dancy wait is the course catalog between mit so no, finn, finn is the is, other brother is the other brother who went okay i'm sorry i, I can't keep these people straight <laughs> <laughs> it's okay Okay, there's only so many characters. You'll get there. It's already too many for me, Danielle. My brain is over full. <laughs> so the only thing of interest at this whole dinner is that Celeste has a friend at the table that Julie has not yet been introduced to. As we Wait. said, there was an extra place setting. <laughs> they, they actually Was there a person sitting in the extra place setting that which was not addressed throughout this entire like dinner scene? This is how the story unfolds. So I just felt like I wanted to explain it to you in the way that it was phrased in the book. That's so, bonkers. Yeah, so they do this whole story and then they're like, and also there is this other thing at the table. So Celeste remedies that suddenly. She like looks over at her and she's like, oh, Julie, I didn't introduce you properly, did I? Flatfin, this is Julie. Julie, this is Flatfin. Is he two-dimensional? Yeah, Turns out there is a full-size cardboard cutout of the traveling brother at the table. Uh... <laughs> and everybody just accepts that this is a normal thing to have at the table and in fact treats him like a normal human being. Oh, oh. Well, what was the title of this book again, Danielle? Flat Out Love. Yeah, okay. If she Lars and the real girls that cardboard cutout, I'm out of here. <laughs> It somehow is not as weird and weirder. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, you know what, Daniela? You got me. You know, I did not see that coming. <laughs> That's why I couldn't give you the actual summary, Sam. It's better nope. if you don't know. No, that was... Boy, I am currently just vacillating between thinking this is a straight-up horror movie, <laughs> a straight-up horror book like Psycho, or some kind of quirky romantic comedy that is also really terrifying if you think about it for more than five seconds, like while you were sleeping or something like that. This actually ends in a way where I was like, should I do this as a book? <laughs> okay. We'll see. So during this conversation, Matt sort of side-eyes her like, hey, just go along with it. I told you it was kind of weird. <laughs> like, you won't so, want to make my sister angry. <laughs> yeah, she gets <laughs> stabby. 
So Julie introduces herself to the cutout. Like, she just goes with it like, hey, nice to meet you. And she's like, hey, hey, Flatfin, I thought you were traveling. And Celeste's like, no, Finn is traveling, obviously. Obviously. He's he's volunteering at a game reserve for rescued animals. Flatfin is a symbolic representation of my brother. That we need because cell phones don't exist in this universe? (laughs) We'll get there, Sam. We'll get there. (laughs) I'm just saying right now, they're on thin ice. Yes, they are. So Julie, obviously, okay, this isn't normal, but I'm just going to go along with it because whatever, you know, why not? I guess I would too at that point in time. So she offers him some Thai food and Celeste is like, oh, actually, he's not eating after 5 p.m. because he believes he can improve his metabolism and get more cut. His words, not Celeste's. (laughs) Huh. And then she tells her mom not to sneak him any Oreos, which are his favorite. I think cutting a cardboard cutout would <laughs> do more damage than movie. I just think it's, it's a bad idea to have those two words near each other, is all I'm saying. But uh, thankfully, I, th- I think he'll be fine, Sam. <laughs> oh, gosh. I really don't want to have the Flatfin. He's my favorite character so far. Yes. Flatfin is actually a great character. Perhaps <laughs> the best character in the whole book. So everything at the table, otherwise. Please be possessed by a sexy ghost. <laughs> oh, sorry, yes. oh, my God. That would have been a better story. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that. I hope that's the sequel. <laughs> that's you find I'm out. just pitching ideas again. Sorry. Uh, so everything at the table goes well, other than that, like it's a normal dinner. And Celeste tells her, kind of fills her in that Finn is in South Africa currently. He's been gone for a few months, but they're not sure how long he'll be away. And he's been kind of traveling from place to pay- place, picking up jobs as he goes along. Dinner wraps up. And they offer her the car to use for the next day to search for her apartment. And basically, as they're you know cleaning up the table, Matt kind of leans into her and is like, is that interesting enough for you? As they clear the- everything away. <laughs> I hope they give her some like guidance on apartment hunting, because clearly she does not know what she's doing on her own. Yeah, apparently not. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> The next day, Celeste is helping Julie with figuring out her class schedule. Um, and Celeste asks a little bit more about her life back home. Like, does she have a boyfriend? What are her friends like? She wants to see pictures. She's like super obsessed with the pictures. And Julie pulls up the going away party pictures from when she left for college. And Celeste wants like all the details of the party. And she notes that there aren't any pictures of Julie's father. And she explained, Julie explains that he was away on business, but he called and sent a phone. Her parents are split. They're divorced since she was like four or five five or something when she was little. All right. Good info dump there. I know. <laughs> so Celeste is basically like, yeah, my dad's away a lot too. And Julie asks her what kind of parties she likes to have. And Celeste is like, actually, I don't really do parties anymore. They never work out terribly well for me. <laughs> She's 13, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> what kind of parties was she doing? Like, yeah, I had this rager, this kegger over at Cindy's house. And boy, <laughs> I got blackout truck. Did not work out well for me. So I swore the off I was like well. nine. <laughs> But no, she doesn't really like elaborate further on that statement. Apparently, Julie does not go. So how come they're not working out for you? <laughs> but she Wonderful. does. She does suggest that they show Flatfin the pictures of Julie in her going away dress, which was a bit sexy, according to Celeste. And she thinks that he'd like them. So they're treating Flatfin like a normal human, basically. That's OK. Uh, <laughs> I am not a psychologist or really have any training in mental health. So I will refrain from making any judgments besides that's freaking weird. It is. We do get into a little bit of the psychological issues as we go along here. So Julie says like, sure, yeah, let's show him the pictures. And Celeste brings out Flatfin and is trying to get him to stand up on the carpet. (laughs) 
I'm honestly like, putting flat fin on the car. He falls over. Like, oh my god, no fin! Oh my gosh! No, that's exactly what happens. Up, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, she's trying to get him up. He will not stand up, and she's becoming like increasingly agitated about it because she can't get him to stand straight. And she's like, "You have to flat fin. You've done it before. You can do it." And Julie's like. <laughs> Kind of look at her like, are, are you okay? <laughs> it's just... We need to get flapped into the hospital. He's currently having a stroke. Uh, and she eventually steps in and is very casually like, you know what? Guys like to sprawl out on the couches. They're super lazy. Why don't we just get him over there? He'll be able to see the pictures way better anyway on the laptop. And so Celeste grabs onto this idea. She's like, yes, let's do that. Let's put him on the couch. And so they settle him onto the couch with them and she calms way down. Not untrue. It's true. <laughs> so during this exchange, Celeste is interpreting some of Flatfin's thoughts, so like the photo, and then tells her that he thinks that Julie should Facebook Finn, like the real Finn. And Celeste's not really supposed to check out his Facebook page, but sometimes Matt lets her sneak in um, with him. And so Julie ends up adding him on Facebook. Is there something salacious about, like, why can't his sister, never mind, I don't care. I think they just doesn't, like, have social media. Okay, that's fair. Uh, later that evening, she touches base with Matt in the kitchen, and she's like, so, Matt, what's going on with Flatfin? <laughs> yes, because that's something he could not have explained at any point previously to her <laughs> no. arriving at the dinner table with a cardboard cutout. He's clearly very awkward about it. She's like, does Celeste take him to school? And apparently the answer to that is no, because he already went through college, so he doesn't need to go to <laughs> school with celeste julie julie siegley get it together come on <laughs> so he's being really tight-lipped about this obviously even when she, he's directly asked like he doesn't want to really want to tell her and she's like so it must have something to do with finn not being here right like if it'll stop if he comes back like is he ever, when he's coming back is he ever coming back what do her friends think when they come over like what about when she goes out like how does all this work julie's doing this all wrong her highest priority should be getting her own place so you can just get out of the situation extricate yes. yourself girl you don't need this oh no you're gonna hate this story if that's what you think julie should do this entire time because i do not disagree but she is definitely in it to win it <laughs> like, oh julie you meddlesome meddlesome lady oh like, she's so bad <laughs> Especially at the beginning, it's the worst. <laughs> this is not your business. Like, you're not here. You are a teenager graciously being hosted by a family. Your priority should be to get out of their hair as soon as possible. Absolutely agree. In the beginning of this, my notes have a lot of things of like, why are you here? Like, that's none of your <laughs> business. <laughs> all right. All right. As long as we're in agreement there. So he explains, well, I don't know when Finn's coming back, but she takes Flatfin everywhere except school. But really, she doesn't actually go out that much and she doesn't really have friends so none of that is an issue is there anything else or are you done making fun of of celeste <laughs> is she making fun of her or no is she that's just what inquiring? she says she's acquiring i think in, the, in yeah. the thing but he takes it very much as like a criticism matt my dude your sister carries on a cardboard cutout of your other brother people are going to ask that's perfectly natural and it doesn't mean they're being judgmental exactly but i mean obviously he's very uh temperamental defensive. yeah defensive that's the word i was looking for about the situation so she's just like, no, I'm not man, I'm not making fun of her. She seems like a great kid, but I just wanted some answers, which, as you just pointed out, she is arguably not entitled to. <laughs> like, sure. she just I mean, got there. I don't think it's beyond the pale for her to ask because it's a perfectly natural thing to be like, so what's with the cardboard cutout? Right. But he could also be like, oh, that's just a personal matter. Don't worry about it, a family thing. Right. But she keeps pressing. It's not like she drops it after this conversation. No, of course not. Because Julie's got to Julie. Yes. And so Matt basically cuts off the conversations. Like, just leave it alone. Don't bring it up to the family. Just let it go. 
She's like, okay, sorry, you know. And he offers to kind of turn it around. He offers to help her look for apartments the next day. But apartment hunting is a bust. Everything in their price range is terrible. And on their way back while they're taking the subway, she accidentally gets on an escalator and she has a panic attack. Okay, because escalators <laughs> apparently are terrifying to her. Yeah, well, she. This is attributed to her being acrophobic, which is. It, it, I don't know why that would necessarily cause an issue on an escalator, but I. What does it do it on a staircase? What is acrophobic? Because I have not heard that term before. Oh, it's a fear of heights, which I don't understand why that would necessarily be an issue on, um, like an escalator, an escalator where it wouldn't be on a staircase, maybe. But like, you got down the stairs, then you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently going down is easier than going up. (laughs) Well, yeah, but you're already at the top of the staircase when you assumedly came down. Or maybe like she didn't. Maybe they were at a completely different place that didn't Maybe she went down backwards. So it looked like he was like getting further from the heights. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was an interesting – like I I do not have acrophobia. I have the opposite of acrophobia. I don't mind heights at all. You have acrophilia. (laughs) I don't think that's it. (laughs) That's the term, Danielle, I believe. Thank you very much. (laughs) You didn't even know what acrophobic was. Okay, well, I again, if somebody has that issue and has issues on an escalator, feel free to let us know. It was just an interesting place to like, I just believe I just to go down backwards over all the stairs and stuff. So like, like the heights are getting further away from me as I go down. <laughs> That's just what I, I believe is happening. That the rest might of be the book. case. And luckily, Matt's with her, so he like hugs her to him, kind of thing, and they saves the day and, and talks her through it. Oh, good hunky, sturdy Matt. He is not hunky. They specifically say in the story that he's just kind of relatively attractive to him. Attraction is relative, Danielle. It is. See what At I this did point, there? she's not attracted to him. Well, because she <laughs> has bad later. taste in cardboard men. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the case. <laughs> <laughs> Shh! Don't tell. So they end up touring the town a bit. They get some coffee. She finds out that he picks up Celeste every day after school and stays with her till her parents get home. And that's one of the reasons he still lives at home. And that night, she sees that Matt and Finn have both accepted her friend requests on Facebook. Facebook plays a large part in the story, so. Well, that's really unfortunate. It's 2011. It can't help itself. It's 2021 and it still can't help itself. (laughs) I know, unfortunately. (laughs) They accepted her friend request and she messages Finn on Facebook explaining why she friended him, which, you know, valid. (laughs) I'm in your room touching your stuff. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Like, I'm in your old bedroom or like, are there any booby traps in here that I should be concerned about? I farted on your bed. (laughs) (laughs) He ends up sending her a message back and they have this like cute little exchange about monsters under the bed and how to keep them busy, you know, like kind of thing and keeping Flatfin safe. So he does know about Flatfin. So is Finn older than Matt or younger? Older. Okay. By a couple years, two, three, not that many. So so, so Matt's like what, 21 and he's like 23, 24? Yeah, somewhere in there. Gotcha. And she's, I assume, 18, 19, somewhere in that freshman age. Okay, just getting all the relative ages here because I'm sure they're going to be very important in terms of coupling. Uh, sure. <laughs> They're all kind of similar ages. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Like, he's not like 30 or something. Uh, next, because a lot of uh, happens online, she gets an email from her dad. And as I said, her parents split up when she was little, so she does not actually see him super often, just a couple times a year. And he wants to spend the winter break with her in California. And this would be the longest that she's ever spent with her dad after the divorce. And she's super excited about it. And he has all these like plans and ideas of what they're going to be doing for those couple Aww. weeks. Can't you bring Flat Finn with her? Yes. No. Because <laughs> I think Celeste would die a little. Possibly literally. <laughs> Just photocopy him. It's not that hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. Give you that. Like paper size. Fold it up. Put it in your pocket. Yeah. Little mini Finn. <laughs> mini Finn. 
So the next day is school orientation, and she laughs because she finds this. The story kind of goes like this. I'm sorry from jumping the thing to thing, but that's how it goes. Nope, fair. So she laughs because she finds this map that Matt has made, and it's the Boston Boston T system, the public transportation, and he puts a skull and crossbone symbols next to all the stations that have escalators for her convenience. <laughs> <laughs> and there's little notes saying horrifying threat awaits, be on high alert. <laughs> He's really giving her a ribbing, which is great. I love it. Also, can she not just use the stairs to get out? I mean, I, just, I, I don't, don't know, know, Sam. It's not ever clarified. The staircase situation has re- really bothered me in this book. I don't know why. And I it's get the, never mentioned. So inconsistent. Like, maybe it's just a fear of escalators and she doesn't well, have acrophobia. An elevator comes into play later, but I still don't know about staircase. I'm going to suggest elevators. Okay, I guess those are out too. Maybe it's just man-made height-generating machines, but like stairs, which are arguably immobile. I almost kept it out of here, but there's like a scene later that's kind of relevant. I was like, oh, I guess I'll have to talk about her. And she's like, height. I have to save Celeste, but she's at the top of an escalator. What am I going to do? You'd think it would come like more into play in that way. It definitely does not. Oh, okay. Man, there's so much stuff in this book that goes nowhere. <laughs> it's crazy. That's like it's everything kind of thing. we do. Yeah. So at orientation the next day, she meets a new friend, Dana, because that's how it works in college. You literally meet your friend the first day, and then you're best friends for the rest of your college career. <laughs> yes, that's definitely how it works. It's not awkward for weeks and weeks and weeks because you don't know anybody. <laughs> or you meet other people in other situations. Yes, that's never happened. Yeah, so interesting. Everything goes well at orientation. There's nothing major that happens at school. But she does get a call as she gets home from Matt asking if she can pick up Celeste from school because a meeting came up at the university and he can't leave. Well, Matt, what are you going to do before Julie came into your life? I think he would have just canceled the meeting. Oh, well, that's less interesting. Yeah, I I imagine because he says he could do that, but it would just it would be much better with this specific issue with this professor just to have the meeting. If he, if, no, I got it. They got along, yada, yada, so he yada. thought maybe that they would work. So he tells her, he gives her instructions, like, this is how you get here, you have to bring flat fin, you have to bring flat fin, and put him in the back of the car, put a blanket over him, like he needs to be in the car. <laughs> okay. And he's worried that Celeste might be thrown off by the change in routine, and Julie's like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, like, it's, it's gonna be great, don't worry about it. Kids love me, and cardboard cutouts, <laughs> they fall down over me. <laughs> I'm sure this is not concerning at all. So she sees Celeste at school, and she's wearing this, like, terrible outfit, and is clearly a bit out of place, and, like, doesn't seem to have any friends at school. And she thinks it's a shame, because Celeste seems like a kind of interesting, cool person, other yeah, than the sure. flat fin thing. And though initially a bit panicked when she sees Julie, and it's not Matt, she does calm down considerably when she sees that flat fin is in the back of the car. Julie is already so enmeshed in these people's lives. Oh, yes. Quickly and deeply. <laughs> <laughs> So Julie's like, where should we go? Like, you know, before we go home. And Celeste is like, what? No, we go home. We don't We don't go anywhere. We're like, that's where we go. We go home. <laughs> and Julie talks her into going to the supermarket to get some food to cook that night for you know, like a thank you for letting her stay there. We don't cook in my house. <laughs> they do not. And she talks Julie and she talks Celeste into it basically by like taking Flatfin out of the car and sticking it in the shopping cart. And she's like, I'm going with Flatfin. You better come with me or you can stay in the car. That's very manipulative. (laughs) And so she gets out. She's like, okay, I'm coming. I'm going to take away your security device yes, if you don't do what I tell you to do. Like, Deeply that's not cool. Deeply questionable, and she's considering minoring in psychology, and oof, Julie, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Julie, no. 
So that night at dinner, which goes over well, Aaron suggests that she stays at the house instead of looking for an apartment because they have the extra room and it's been really nice to get in touch with her mom again and, and she seems like a good fit with the family. Oh yeah, sure. This couldn't possibly get any weirder. And she's basically like, you don't have to pay rent if you go just help out with Celeste. Like, pick her up. It works with your schedule. You'll use this semester. Like, you pick her up from school, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's not a bad deal if there wasn't a cardboard cutout to fall in love with. Absolutely. But give it time, Sam. Give it time. <laughs> so she accepts, obviously, because she can't find an apartment. And she's like, I hope Finn won't mind me moving into his room. Like, are you sure it's not going to interrupt his return coming back since you guys aren't sure when he's coming? And Aaron is like, is surprised. Oh, and she says, she also mentions that she talked to Finn because she just wanted to, like, tell him she was in his room. And Aaron's pretty surprised that she had talked to him. But she's like, no, it shouldn't be a problem. I mean, we're happy to hear you ha- have you here. So feel free to stay as long as you need to. I'm going to ask you a question that may be stupid, Danielle. Uh-huh. Is Finn dead? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I just imagine, like, he's dead. But he's like, oh, wait. But he's ghost Facebooking. <laughs> or, like, it's Celeste or their mom pretending to be Finn online to, like, keep the memory alive or something. I mean, it, it could be, but they get into some very full conversations here shortly, so maybe. <laughs> but I like the idea of Ghost Rider Finn, though, because I'm all yeah. about Ghost Rider. Okay, of course you are. But <laughs> I think it would be like, I'm thinking more of a, like, um, psycho situation where it's someone keeping the dead person alive by inhabiting them in a way. Maybe. That could be it, Sam. You will find out today on Book Retorts. <laughs> in the next 20 minutes. <laughs> Give or take. So she messes. Yes, the whole family's in on it too, Sam. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the whole family could be like, "Finn's not dead. Of course he's not dead. He's very much alive. I just looked him on Facebook today." Well, damn, you see him flapping. He's right yeah, here. He's right here. <laughs> yes, he represents Finn, who's always with us, even though he's not with us anymore. It's spirit and mind and body. Yeah, I think it works, Danielle. I've solved it. <laughs> yeah, you did. Good job. <laughs> so that night, she messages Finn to tell him she's staying in his room longer, and she plans to redecorate with pink and rainbows and unicorns, as it's too masculine. That's very gender normative for her. <laughs> this book kind of does that a little bit. He writes back. He's like, I'm on board. Uh, can I request one of those posters with the kid hanging from the tree? <laughs> See, Finn, he knows how to break down those patriarchal standards. Absolutely. Go Finn. Go Finn. Flat Finn, I'm not on board with him yet, but real Finn, so far so good. So that night she's unpacking. There, She and her newfound friends are going to a party and Celeste kind of comes in to help her unpack. And she talks Celeste into a manicure and pedicure when they discover her trove of nail polishes when they're unpacking. And though apparently initially against Flat Finn's wishes, and she has a little, little mild anxiety attack, <laughs> Celeste does. They wow, do, they Julie's do... just all kinds of good for Celeste's <laughs> mental health. Well, they do finally get Flat Finn on board uh, slash Celeste on board. Do they paint his nails? Because that'd be funny. No, they do not. Which they should have. That would have been great. I don't think you're allowed to paint on Flatfin. So many missed opportunities to draw like a mustache or something on I know. Him. She should have done something to him. So she gets home pretty late that night. She goes to party. She has a good time. But Matt's still up doing homework because Matt's sole existence is around Celeste. So he only has time to do his homework in the middle of the night. Okay. I don't want to rag on parents I haven't met, even in this book, for more than the briefest moment. But if one of your children is basically devoting themselves to taking taking care of one of your other children because of their mental or anxiety problems, and you're just not doing anything else about this, maybe you should step in and help out. I would agree with that. The story does kind of get into that in a little while. Okay. It devolves not quickly, but soon-ish, and you will find out more about how all this came to be and what 
how I know people should be twists. doing the things they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I know there are going to be twists and, and, you know, all kinds of stuff in this book that, you know, explain all the weird backstory. But I'm just saying as like a uh, outside observer at this moment, the snapshot of the story, no one's really coming up looking good at the moment. No, I 100% agree, Sam. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just put it out there. <laughs> yeah, the parents are definitely absent and Matt is clearly the shouldering the burden on a Celeste here. Exactly. And she needs help. She does. And she ends up stopping, This Julie ends up stopping in his room to chat. And she's like, how come you haven't gone out tonight? And he explains that his parents were at a work party and obviously somebody had to stay home with Celeste. And this is where she realizes that Celeste like, can't be alone, basically. She didn't like quite realize the extent of it. So someone has to stay with Celeste like anytime she's home. She, she could use a nice like psychologist or someone to help a therapist. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think it's kind of suggests that maybe she saw one in the past uh, at some point, but it really doesn't focus on She's definitely not still seeing one as far as I can yikes. tell. <laughs> yikes. Uh, she ends up writing Finn that evening for some advice on Celeste being a bit upset earlier about the nail polish and everything before she kind of was on board. And she's basically like, I didn't mean to upset her, but I also am not 100% sure what's going on. And I feel like Julie doesn't know what's going on, but she also like steamrolls in there. Like yeah, she- she's like, let me come in there and force you to go shopping with me and nitpick your nails and just like disrupt everything without figuring out what the situation is. Right. Like obviously, I mean, you don't know what you can and can't do, but you could on the side of caution. <laughs> yeah, you could like, once she started pushing back, maybe don't push back harder. Exactly. But no, she does not do that. She's the complete opposite of that. And Sad. luckily, everybody doesn't have a nervous breakdown and die. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I wouldn't want Julie living with me given that, even though I'm not on the verge of mental breakdown. I feel like you would just annoy the heck out of me. It would be really annoying. So he writes back that a psychologist once thought that it might be a creative response to nerves about starting a new school, missing Finn, etc. And just they're like, we're told to just wait it out for now. And it theoretically will pass. Okay, that's great advice. Yes, but they have had a lot of caregivers or babysitters who weren't nearly as supportive as she's as Julie's being or like trying to be and he got an email from Celeste earlier raving about her so she's got to be doing something right well I mean here we are dumping all over Julie barge in there but I guess that's just what guess Celeste, Celeste needed <laughs> so we're the idiots Danielle I don't know I mean if we have any psychologists psychiatrist listeners feel free to weigh in on this but I feel like she could at least try a little harder to not bulldoze through when she doesn't fully understand in the situation at this point. Right, and I'm not, trying, I'm not asking to armchair diagnose anyone here. I'm just saying, like, tread lightly. Exactly. They chat for a bit longer, and she doesn't really feel like he fully answers her questions, but she basically Because he never does. No. <laughs> and then the next day, she does a little bit of, like, a clothes makeover on Celeste, who's, you know, a little bit more up for that, and gives her an iPod to listen to with a playlist trying to expand her music horizons. And Celeste is completely perplexed by this idea. But of she's like, music? sure. That'd be like of the iPod and changing clothes. Like she's just like, why would I need to do any of these things? But she promises wow. that she'll listen to the playlist. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm more on board with like, you know, helping the kid explore musical sure, avenues things. and things like that. That seems a little bit more... Uh, it seems a little gentler than forcing them to go grocery shopping with you by kidnapping their safety device. Yeah, I agree. Gentle's a good word for it. Like, I think there are probably gentle ways to casually get her to do bigger things if that's your yeah. goal. But like, I don't know if forcing her out of the car by stealing Finn and walking away is yeah. the answer to that question. <laughs> all right, all right. So I won't. I, I won't harp on that anymore. <laughs> 
So she now, as of like today, is in charge of picking Celeste up from school after classes. And she, after school, she heads out, but she's running a little bit late and she has to get gas and flat fin. So she's really panicked by the time she gets there because she's now, it's her first day. She's running late to pick up Celeste and we've already established that Celeste does not deal with changes super well. Uh But... Celeste is deep into her iPod music and doesn't seem to notice that she's being like, so nobody's there to pick her up yet. All right. Score one for Julie. Yay. That's what we know. Good job, We call Celeste. this the Seagley method. <laughs> I've even read the book, Sam. <laughs> she suggests going to a coffee place and Celeste is like, uh, I guess. <laughs> really stop taking me places. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I mean, I appreciate that Julie's a social butterfly, but here we go. And to her credit, I mean, Julie just kind of runs with it. She does take flat fin in. She's like, let's go. Let's get, let's take him in with us. And the barista is super chill about the whole thing. And he's like flirting with Julie. And Celeste also likes him. And he like comes over and kind of sits with them when there's a lull. And they end up, Julie and the barista end up agreeing to go on a date. Ooh, loving <laughs> yeah. the coffee shop. So as they're finishing up their drinks, though, a bunch of kids from Celeste's school show up. And uh, so, I know, bad news bears. So they hustle it out of there and, like, grab Flat Fit, and they're, like, run it out of there. And Julie gets the new date, the barista, to kind of play along. She's like, thank you for the display for the theater performance. We'll make sure we return it in good condition. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are lots of reasons that we could have a cardboard cutout. Sure. I would not immediately want... jump to, it's a replacement for your missing brother. Sure, it's not, but also it's 13-year-olds, so you don't necessarily want to be seen uh, walking true. around. <laughs> they are out. monsters, I forgot. <laughs> the date doesn't really matter. I'm going to put it out there. The details of their first date do not matter. All right, <laughs> I don't care. Skip it. It is Thanksgiving time. Woo! Oh, okay. Jumped ahead. But before she leaves for her first time back home, Julie, because she's going to go home back home to Ohio and meet up with her family, she decides to make a trip to a professor of Psych 101 that she's taking, who is a noted professor and psychologist, and she tells him about this hypothetical family that carries uh, around a cardboard cutout of their traveling son. Julie, this is not okay to do. <laughs> you can't terrible. armchair diagnose people, especially secondhand. And bless him, because he's like, so, okay, I'm not going to diagnose this, this kid or this family, but. <laughs> yeah. So he basically says, so wait, there's this like whole family. They have absent parents. There's an absent older brother. They have a younger brother who's been forced into a parental role and is trying to be present and is probably struggling quite a bit yeah. because that's not his job. And a socially delayed teenager attempting to manage her emotions through this creation of a substitute tangible version of her idolized sibling. That's what you're telling me is happening right now in this family. Nailed it. And he's like, cool, cool. So yeah, I'm not going to diagnose this because that's, you know, not what you should do. But here are a couple of things to think about, you know, if you're staying in this this situation. So it sounds like they've set some parameters and you're not really in a position to cross those. (laughs) Yeah, because it's not your business, Julie. Exactly. But she's clearly, you're clearly a fixer, Julie. You like, you want to fix this for whatever reason. I think the word you're looking for is meddler. (laughs) I know. Fixer. I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, she's a fixer. <laughs> and these I think are he's fixer like a mob fixer. Right. He's like, but you have to realize that like obviously something's happened and these are containment strategies, but it can't hold up forever. So it's possible while you're there, whatever the situation is, might unravel. And also I want you to think about why you need to fix this. Like what's going on in your life that you feel like you need to fix other people's lives. <laughs> All right, this is all called foreshadowing, children. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> By your Psych 101 professor. That was wildly weird to go tell them. No, that is a gross violation of the family's privacy. I know. 
crazy. And she doesn't even start it out hypothetically. She's like, I'm staying with his family. He's like, so hypothetically, you're telling me that. Yes. <laughs> Good for him. I know. So I'm like, okay, you failed, Julie. I know. <laughs> F in your class. Ethics of psychology. F. <laughs> no pass. <laughs> no pass. So she ends up going back home for the first time since leaving school. And it is the most freshman back home situation ever. Like her family's oh so banal. It's so the first year of college. Like, no, I won't wear the pilgrim hat. And in my economics of poverty class, we talk about homelessness is not a choice. And like, oh my gosh. Blah, 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 blah. I, I took a, I took, I've taken half a psychology course so I can diagnose you as overprotecting mother with parental <laughs> neglect issues or whatever. And her family's very like, it's the kind of like she just disagrees with a lot of their opinions and political beliefs and all of that and but now she feels the need to tell them with her educational degree that she apparently has even if i agree with julie i hate her i would disagree with her on the principle just don't understand her sam (laughs) she's just so complex and deep and learned after a whole four months three months of school yeah, i think probably three it's november so <laughs> september um, november, yeah. november yeah it's just classic freshman first time back to your small town family <laughs> crack, cracks me up so she spends a lot of that vacation kind of chatting with finn on facebook he doesn't have a girlfriend by the way just, of course just not. for reference <laughs> his real love are the animals <laughs> the animals and the traveling and eventually she ends up kind of making up with her mom, who she, she kind of had like an argument with at Thanksgiving dinner, but they make up and she's glad to be back home when she finally returns to Boston, back home, quote unquote. So apparently she's not made for small town Ohio. Well, who is, Danielle? One of the people in small town Ohio. That's true. Maybe they like it. Julie's better than them, apparently, yeah, according apparently. to Julie. According to Julie, she's better than them. <laughs> Many of us would disagree with that sentiment. I'll put it out there. I think most of Ohio is better than Julie at this point. <laughs> Oh, 100%. <laughs> Good job, Ohio. <laughs> You're better than this horrible person. <laughs> Talking about your backhanded compliments, Danielle. <laughs> I know. I'm terrible. I'm so sorry if anybody's from Ohio. It's really, it's just the Midwest in me. I cannot help it but make fun of Ohio. <laughs> it's in my actual DNA. <laughs> yeah, sure. Blame blame that, Danielle. I just, too many road trips through Ohio as a child. I just, so many hours. So many hours. <laughs> I think we need to move on before Scarred. you offend the entire state of Ohio and maybe uh, Illinois as well, just for being near them. Just be fun. Okay. So it's a snow day. Schools shut down except Celeste School, which apparently never shuts down according to the book. And she and Matt are having a grand old time at the house during the snow day. They're debating if they should make a snowman, all this, you know, fun stuff. And then Celeste School calls because the mom has missed an important meeting that she was supposed to attend. Well. Oh. I know. So Matt has to rush to the school to talk to the uh, guy. I don't quite, they never say his title, I don't think. The school guy. The important The principal, coordinate, uh, yeah. counselor, whoever. And Julie somehow talks him into letting her go with him. What? Why, Sam? <laughs> no, Julie, not your business. It's wild. Julie, gosh. She'd be the kind of person that if she lived with me, be like, where are you going? Call me when you get there. Call me when you get back. Uh, what's that in your drawers? Let me go through your drawers. I'm just trying to look out for you. Can I use your phone? Now I'm looking at all the pictures on your phone. Oh, I'm looking at your text message. My, my thumb slipped. I don't know how I ended up in that folder. <laughs> she would be a nightmare to live with. She's the one that keeps like going past the pictures that you told her she could look at. <laughs> she just keeps going because she wants to see more. Oh, I put that motion detector in your room so I can know when you're home or not. <laughs> just, I just want to know when you're home. Yeah. I love you so much. 
<laughs> I want to make sure you're safe. Yeah. Why did we just do like um? What's that movie? But where she puts the rabbit in the in the in the pot. <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay, never mind. We can just skip this whole thing. Skip this whole. Isn't all right. Scratch this. Not this is not going to the podcast. Cut it. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So they make it to the meeting. She apparently gets to sit in on now that she's a three month veteran of this family. <laughs> oh yeah, <It's> clearly. <laughs> and the the school guy is basically saying to them like Celeste needs to go somewhere else. She's socially unfit. She like I understand that there's the issue with Finn, but like I we can't we just she can't be here. Basically, is what they're saying. He's basically, like we are not equipped to handle someone with these special needs. Right, but Julie kind of goes onto the 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 defensive is kind of like offensive, defensive, offensive. <laughs> offensive thank you and she says like your boston accent yeah it probably is uh she basically says to to him like she's doing well in school though she's very very intelligent like she's not causing any problems julie you know what you're talking about even do we even know if celeste has like an iep or something to help her out like right i would assume that she would need one i don't know if anybody in the family has actually set one up because like and as the teacher at this school or whoever this person should know like an iep and a counselor in the in the classroom, whoever, someone to help Celeste would be a first step before saying, no, can't come to school anymore. Right. And this book does not establish if they've tried for years to like figure this out. And it's true that's that true. like other than not having friends and like that's about it. Like she does really well in school. Like so she's socially in Is this a private as, school? I think so. Okay. That makes a I mean they have a little bit more leeway then, but still they do, but still, I agree. And so Julie ends up talking to this guy into six more months to see if there's a difference in Celeste. And he's like, sure, whatever. Six more months. I'm You're sure it'll be a big change. Who, who are you, Julie? No, like- I know. <laughs> they never even, like, question Julie's presence. And the fact that the 21-year-old brother is the one that steps in for this conversation. I mean, I understand him with the pantry unavailable because he could relay a message to them. But, like, who is this random woman you brought with you who is clearly thinks she's way above all of this? Yes, but apparently she talks him into six more months. Oh, and- gosh. Matt and her, after they got out of this meeting, kind of get into a bit of a fight because he's like, what is your plan? Like, how is she going to be different in six months than she's been for, you know, this whole time? And we don't get to hear what that plan is yet because, you know, that's how stories work. She doesn't have it? (laughs) She's winging it. No, she tells him, but she doesn't tell the audience. And Yes, because 18, 19-year-old Julie with three months of psychology (laughs) freshman classes under her belt can solve this problem. She is a problem solver, Sam. Do not question Julie (laughs) Siegler's abilities at problem solving the heck out of this psychologically needy family. I'm going to put this out there, Danielle. This may be the single most frustrating character you've ever brought. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's crazy. I simultaneously, like, occasionally, like, kind of like Julie, and then, like, 80% of the book, I'm like, what is wrong with this woman? I mean, that's a real feat, Danielle, because you've had some truly awful people that you've brought, (laughs) and that I've brought to this podcast, but... Julie Siegley might be a contender for the top spot. That's because you're thinking of like your personal perspective of if this pushy, like know-it-all person came into your life and started yes. like upending everything, it would drive you mad. And it would drive me mad too because we have similar personalities in that way. And they're like, I can't imagine if they were like, 
trying to like fix my child like you don't know them you've known them for all of three months you're trying to tell me how to fix my child who the heck do you think you are yeah but i'm gonna put it out there that i think the only person who would even notice that he's she's trying to fix quote unquote the child is matt and matt is kind of on board sort of <laughs> and to be fair matt is also being very put upon so exactly. I get he's kind of like well maybe this will help because i certainly don't want to deal with this every day of my life <laughs> But just because the other people in Celeste's life are terrible does not make Julie any more excusable. That's, I agree. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. But wow. I know. So when he hears her plan, he's like, you can't even begin to understand what's going on. Like, how is this plan ever going to work? And she's like, well, then tell me what's going on. Which this is the point in the book where I'm like, okay, she's now worked with Celeste for like three months. Somebody should probably tell her what's going on yes. because you're entrusting your plan. child. Yeah. You, you went to her school meetings, apparently. So <laughs> yeah, really. if you're not going to bring her into the secret now, then when? Yeah. For somebody who's like supposedly psychologically on edge is Celeste assumedly is you think at some point they would have been like and just fyi so that she didn't do anything terrible to her on accident let me guess let me guess he doesn't tell her uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) of course i'll skip all my notes that say that and we are into the next section (laughs) (laughs) i imagine you screaming why doesn't he tell her So when she gets home, she's super flouncy because nobody will tell her what's going on. And this is the only time that I really agreed with that. Yeah, okay. That's fair. <laughs> I give Julie like, if I mean, if she's going to meddle and they're going to let her meddle, at least let her know what she's meddling in. Exactly. Because at some point you might actually end up hurting her more than helping her. Oh, that's almost guaranteed. Yeah. It's like pure luck that she hasn't damaged Celeste psychologically yet. So she ends up messaging Finn and she's like, help me, tell me. She's like, somebody in this family needs to tell me what's going on and and nobody else will. You need to be the one. And Finn says, okay, like one time deal. Let me tell you. So he says, basically. Oh, I've only told you one time. (laughs) I know. I thought it was a weird way to phrase it. One time deal. I'll tell you one time, and then you forget it. I told you anything, and you know, I can't ever tell you. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I will never tell you again. <laughs> Basically, their mom went through a really rough, depressive patch where she wasn't super functional a while back. And Celeste got very attached to Finn during this time. And the dad was super busy with the mom, and Matt was being Matt, whatever that means. So I guess he was not as present as he is right now. Matt and was so, being helpful and looking after the children. <laughs> I know, but he was probably taking care of the house. And so she's had a really hard time with the fact that he's away. And he's like, I'm sure you've seen that my mom's not even super present when she's at her best, which she is assumedly right now. And dad's traveling a lot, so he doesn't have to like deal with any of this stuff. So that's kind of what's going on. Got it. And he says, please don't tell any anyone else but there you go so this whole thing according to this explanation by finn is that their mom had a depressive period she withdrew the father was neglectful dealing with the mother and celeste got really attached to finn during that time when her parents were absent yes to summarize that's the extent of it yes give or take i thought that i mean not to say that isn't terrible but i thought there'd be like something more traumatic involved well you'll find out if that's true or not or if that's just the, the state of it there's finn just lying and like no nope, yes, that's all i'm gonna tell you teeth <laughs> i don't know sam you'll find out <laughs> i'm just saying if that if i was julie i'd be like nah, that doesn't seem like the full story <laughs> I think, like, I assume that she thinks that if that is the full story, that it is just kind of a, like, vague version of probably a serious, like, series of months sure. or whatever. But also, being that vague with Julie when she's so determined to fix Celeste will only make her, only embolden her to do more damage. Well, apparently she takes it as it's said, and she's like, thanks so much for sharing that with me. I really appreciate it, etc. <laughs> 
Great. And then she's like, hey, are you coming home for the holidays? Because, you know, Christmas is around the corner and it would probably help Celeste to be able to see you. And he's basically like, well, I'm considering it. And he ends up agreeing to at least send a gift to Celeste. Oh, but I'm a ghost. So be from beyond the grave. It'll be a ghostly gift. (laughs) Plasma. It'll be a spooky (laughs) gift. It'll be ectoplasm wrapped in a nice baggie. (laughs) With a little bow on it. (laughs) Ghosts are bad at gifts. It's because we don't have any money. No pockets. (laughs) We're like women's clothing. They are made by ghosts. (laughs) Don't have anything to put in their pockets. (laughs) <laughs> that would really explain the fashion industry pretty sure androids and ghosts <laughs> oh well that, the whole world makes sense if you think about them that way <laughs> sorry there's no pockets and everything is made for size zero because <laughs> <laughs> they have the physical form exactly they sense. don't understand what humans are actually shaped like they just squish in any shape they want i can't believe we solved that hundred year old dilemma <laughs> <laughs> Next day, anyway, moving on. All kinds of good stuff here. (laughs) Solve the world's problems, one dumb explanation at a time. Every episode, we solve a world issue. Oh, follow us next week for poverty. Oh gosh, no! I take it back. Well, we we have we have we are way underqualified for that. I can't even blame Ghost for that one. Follow us next week for why sloths move so slowly. That's more our speed, yeah. <laughs> Literally. Uh... So the next day, she brings her plan up with Celeste, the plan that we don't know about yet. But because this is for- the plan, Sam. Any, any ideas? Before, we used to do this segment where we would guess uh, what was going to happen. I want you to guess what's going to happen. I don't know it was a segment, so it's just like trying to make the person well, do it. But yeah, it was an actual segment. All right. So, uh, is it going to be... Like exposure therapy, where she'll slowly start taking Finn like further and further away from Celeste until she gets used to being without it. No, that was a solid guess though. <laughs> I mean, will be called tricky, which just locks Finn in a closet. She's like, deal with it. <laughs> Flat Finn, you don't get to see him anymore. <laughs> Flat Finn, he's out. Ooh, ooh, will she burn him in a barrel? Ooh, ouch. <laughs> It's like, Flat Finn, he's going away. We're going to burn him. Metaphorically. No, literally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know. I can't be as... I'm not as mentally as Jill. I just don't think on those terms. You're never going to get it either. I'll, I'll tell you. Great. This is the plan. The plan is to cut flat fin in half. Oh, okay. So I wasn't <laughs> that far off from the burning. And put hinges on him so he can fold. Uh, 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 and this, okay. this is going to make him more foldable for easy transportation. Hey, so hey. she's going to let her take flat fin everywhere. Yeah, and he can sit now because, you know, before he had to lounge on the couch. <laughs> How is this better? You'll, you'll get there. How soon. is this just not enabling the No, 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 you'll problem. get there. <laughs> sort of. I don't necessarily disagree, but this is the route they're going with. So, this is I the mean, conversation. It sounds like a fun craft project, but wild. <laughs> this is the conversation. Only I put it on here because I really liked the conversation. Okay. This great. is Julie. She goes, New voices. Yeah, no. <laughs> Do like a little high pitched voice for, for Celeste. <laughs> for Celeste, no. This is Julie. He's, she says, He's rather stiff, don't you think? I suspect Flatfin would appreciate not having his head smacked against the trunk every time he has to go in and out. And perhaps he'd like to sit in a chair properly without having to lean at sharp angles. He's crying out for help, and I think we should give it to him. He's been suffering in silence far too long now, aching to be bendy and to conform to standard furniture. Plus, I think he wants to take a Pilates class. All right, all right. First, the phrase, aching to be bendy? <laughs> Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame phrase one. right there. <laughs> I'm going to get that, like, tattooed on my back. 
<laughs> because I am not flexible. <laughs> Me either. I'm aching to be bendy, I tell you what. <laughs> uh, Celeste says, Zara's that flippant tone again, although you might have a point. So she ends up agreeing. Oof. I know. Okay. So Celeste encourages Flatfin during the operation. It's actually kind of a cute scene. She's like, it's going to be okay, Flatfin. <laughs> I really, I, I don't know what they did, but I, I really just want to imagine she like tied Flatfin down to a table and then like took a chainsaw <laughs> or something like a James Bond, little, like horror film, like slowly oriented to him, like, talk, Flatfin, talk. <laughs> That's how she would have done it if she was alone, but Celeste was watching. <laughs> okay well fine it's okay the operation goes swimmingly it's, it's a success flatfin survives of course and they also agree that if things go well that maybe they could add other hinges and other joints is she just making a real doll at this point you'll see sort of <laughs> oh uh, it's so oh i had a thought this might be a terrible idea, but is this going to be like a Pinocchio situation where they're slowly making Flatfin more and more real? And then when real Finn comes back, they'll do a switcheroo like, oh, it turned into a real Finn. See, I want to read your version of this book. <laughs> <laughs> it's way more interesting. It is, actually. Because <laughs> like, I've been cool. Like, so slowly be like, see, Finn's, Flatfin's getting more and more real. He'd be a real person any day now. And then they like do a secret swap when Finn comes back for the I don't holiday. even want like, to be a secret swap. I want Flatfin to like have somehow become like an essence, a real... like a soul somehow at some point has become real. Well, and I have like, the sexy ghost. So and that's obvious. He ends up taking over real Finn when he returns and nobody ever knows that Flatfin <laughs> has become like taken over, killed him and see, possessed. I was thinking more of like a Chucky situation where Flatfin becomes real. Is like I am so like like a like a uh, like a Frankenstein monster situation. Like I am angry at you for creating me to suffer, and like takes it out on them. Yes, I was going to use this for the uh, Spooker Torts episodes, but we missed the boat. (laughs) Better late than never. Because that's exactly what happens. There's like murder, Flatfin becomes real. It's a whole thing. But I was like, any one of those things would have been interesting. Yes, none of those things happened, and I really wish they did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just going to make it up as I go along. You'll never know if I told the truth or not. Great. I mean, it sort of undermines the trust we have, but sure. <laughs> they end, end up introducing Flatfin to Matt, and she's like, oh, now you can shoot the breeze without feeling socially uncomfortable. Because Matt's always sitting and, you know, Flatfin's always standing. And Matt, bless his heart, is like, yes, this will be significantly less socially uncomfortable. <laughs> also, if his knees don't bend, his sitting is not so much sitting as it is, I don't know. L-shaped on the couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the holidays are kind of quickly approaching. Finn ends up sending Celeste this beautiful hair clip. And she's super excited about it. And Julie goes to a dinner at her boyfriend. Yes, she still has the burst boyfriend. <laughs> oh, he's still, he's still a thing. I yeah, don't, it seems I don't like care. Seth, I think. But while she is going up to his apartment, she gets stuck in the elevator, which she chose to take. I guess maybe it's an apartment that only has an elevator. This is a 10-floor ride-up. <laughs> Crazy. So she's in the elevator, the elevator stops, and she has a total panic attack, as you might imagine, because as we established, she has uh, acrophobia, and so she's I mean, for nights. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm the idiot here, but... I don't feel like you can see the heights in an elevator. No, I assume like, it's a mental thing if you're in an elevator. I mean, I'm not saying trapped in an elevator would be good. I just feel like, figure out what you're actually afraid of here, Julie. Is it escalators? <laughs> is it height? Is it stairs? Is it elevators? Make up your mind. I assume it must be the idea of the elevator because I can't imagine if it's in an apartment building that it has a window out, but I could be wrong. Okay, sure. So Seth's trying to do his best. He calls the fire department there and then the guy who fixes the elevators, the... Uh, super of the, super? yeah, at the uh, apartment building. I don't live in an apartment, Sam. 
and you never have. And I, you're not familiar with super common terms from people who do live in apartments. You know, I have never lived in an apartment that had a, a super. Okay. I haven't. I've lived in an apartment that did not have a super. I believe you. I'm just saying, like, the concept is therefore alien to you. I got not there. I did like... say the words, <laughs> Eventually. As we established, it's a little bit late at night. Yes, of course. She, I don't know how you're doing better than I am, but here we are. <laughs> that is the real question. <laughs> it's a little I had a lot of caffeine before this, so that helped. I did not add graham crackers and kombucha. <laughs> well, that's a weird choice. Maybe we should get you a flat fin to keep you company, Danielle. You do like you need somebody there for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I would take a flat fin. <laughs> so, and Sasa there, like she's talking to him through the, who I assume is Sasa. You guys can correct me if you, <laughs> if I'm wrong. You read this book. Um, she is talking to him through the elevator wall or whatever. And she ends up messaging Finn through Facebook chat, I guess, who walks her through it, kind of like talks her into this. Um, he's basically like, embrace your fear of heights. Like, don't shy away from it. Like, pretend that we're going skydiving. And so he walks her through like the whole concept. How of- is he so good at everything? I don't know. But he has skydived before. So he is walking her through this whole process. <laughs> All right, Seth the Wunderkind. Yeah, and he kind of gets like a little like flirty with it towards the end of the conversation. So when she gets out of the elevator, she's actually kind of a little hot and bothered. And she ends up making out with her boyfriend, but then realizes she really wants to be making out with Finn. How so she breaks get up with me him. a long distance love triangle? <laughs> I don't- no. Only you, Danielle. <laughs> Only you. <laughs> Everything love trunk, I swear. You know, how do I get a story about a flat, <laughs> flat thin and a real thin and somehow put them all into a love triangle with a barista? <laughs> <laughs> And one is in Africa. Like, that's amazing. That's, You're kudos. Welcome. I can only be impressed. <laughs> I do try to pick the best love triangles. Only the best for Sam. <laughs> Great. Thank you. <laughs> she breaks up with uh, Seth, though, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> Immediately after making out with him. And yeah, like, like she no- ends up, like, making out. She pulls away and she's like, uh, I'm not into this. Sorry. <laughs> I'm into this other guy who I've never actually met in person. She doesn't and tell him the whole story, but she does say, yeah, I think there's someone else. <laughs> Because he asks. Oof. No. Julie. He does ask. Back on team Auntie Julie here. I'm <laughs> team Seth, man. Seth gets a raw deal. He does. And it's fully established that Seth is a totally great guy and a good choice. But here we are. Oh, well, I'm glad because Seth really deserves better. <laughs> yes. Hopefully he had a good, solid life after this. Oh, that's my headcanon now. So that night she comes home. She finds Aaron drunk in her bedroom looking at the hair clip that Celeste was given. And she's kind of like smiling and she shows it to her and she's like, isn't this, it's just, it came from so far away. Isn't it remarkable? And Julie's like, uh-huh. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And she asks Aaron how long he's been gone, like how long he's been traveling. She's like, man, it just seems like forever. But with Flatfin around, it's like, he's still here. I'm glad all no. they're all on board. <laughs> Creepy. This is uncomfortable. Yeah. Julie's like, it must be hard to have like your, you know, your first child out of the house. And she says that Finn was really the glue that held the family together. And she loves the other kids, but she just doesn't know quite what to do with them. She, it's obviously very like down on herself about it. Isn't she just the best mom? Like she doesn't even know what to do with her children. And then she apologizes to Julie. She's like, I'm sorry. I don't usually drink this much. It's just making me silly and emotional. And I do love my children. It's just hard for me to be their mother. And Julie's that like, got real. Yeah, I know. Julie's like, okay, well, you know, you take care of yourself and, you know, let me know if you need anything and I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And that evening, she ends up telling Finn that she's falling in love with him. She just went for it. Wow. Uh, 
Gosh, I'm not saying you can't fall in love with somebody through instant message slash chat program because we've all seen the 90s. <laughs> or, you know, online dating now. <laughs> well, yeah, but like most times that doesn't the whole the whole joke about online dating is that the person is never who they seem to be until you meet them in real life. Right. So, but in this case, at least she has some backup people saying theoretically he really does exist and looks I mean, not that he doesn't exist, but the way like he's supposed to. the persona he presents, like maybe he's great in chapter, like maybe he's distracted the whole time like doing other things. I don't Possible, know. Possible, I know, but apparently she loves him, Sam. Get on the get on board. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she is like, what, 18, 19? So what does she know? <laughs> yes. Ouch, poor Julie. I'm just saying, kids. I feel like I shake my fist at the sky and go like, ah, kids these days. Can you tell They them? don't know what it was like to use AOL Instant Messenger to fall in love. They have it so easy now with their <laughs> Snapchats and TikToks. That's how they fall in love. Sam's I, I don't old know man, how, everybody. Look, I don't know how anyone falls in love, Danielle. It's a concept beyond me. <laughs> it's, it's very perplexing. I am also very confused by it. <laughs> <laughs> So he tells her, like, I basically, like, I'm totally into you too, but I can't make it home for the holidays, but I do have a surprise for you if you'll go into the living room. Did he send her one of those internet connected butt plugs? He sent, no. He sent her <laughs> another fat flint. No, <laughs> No, he said, oh, I, I, I really wish we did not have a PG podcast. There's so many good suggestions I have for this that involve, say, a molded dildo out of his member. <laughs> or like a flat version of it. That would not be comfortable, Danielle. It would I don't not, know what... but it would be funny and in theme. All right. I, I'm going to have to cut all of this. Just maybe a naked flat fin. A naked flat fin. That's what maybe he sent her. That'd be much better. That'd be hilarious. It's what like, a good it's like present. The, the ultimate dick pic. I mean, hilarious. I mean, really funny. That would be a really funny Christmas gift at the in real life if this was happening. So no, none of those things happen, Sam. What happened is that Finn has had Matt decorate the tree with real candles because always a safe idea. (laughs) (laughs) And this is apparently a tradition that her family does at home. I I don't know if it's just a day with the fake candles or if they actually keep the candles on the tree the entire time. What are they, like from the 1700s? What is this stuff? Germany, yes. (laughs) Yeah, this is like the old Tannenbaum. Like, oh, you must put the candles on the tree and then we'll burn the Yule log and drink until it's done. (laughs) exactly what's going on so basically like it. she told him at one point during their conversations uh, i did some did not summarize their twelve thousand pages of conversations thank you you're welcome she told him that she liked this is one of her favorite traditions and she loved to lay under the tree and stare up from it from below and look at all the lights oh and get hot wax stripped on her face she Got actually it. talks about that they joke about it um, <laughs> she's in some weird stuff Danielle. <laughs> not that she liked it but it's just like a joke about you know getting uh, wax in your eyeball or something yay <laughs> Matt tells her that that Finn sent him a list of instructions, and so they end up both lying under the tree looking up at the pretty lights. And they get kind of sentimental, as I assume one probably would, lying under a tree. And she asks him (laughs) why- Yeah, sure. (laughs) I mean, well, yeah. Dark, they're looking at the lights. She asks him why he's not dating anyone, and he admits that he- Oh, he has so much time for that. That's what he's like. I just don't have the time nor the inclination, which, fair. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Wise up. I know. It's hard. Why is this hard for you? And he admits that he hasn't dated really since the Celeste flat thing, flat thing, flat fin thing began because his, he had a girlfriend at the time, but she definitely didn't get it and not everybody would. Nope. And Julie asks him if he's angry at Finn for just, you know, leaving and getting to live his life. And he admits that, yeah, like, of course he's mad at him, you know, 
They used, yeah. to, they used to get along and he'll never be Finn and Finn always gets to do the fun stuff and he gets to do all the important stuff and Finn always gets all the credit for, you know, making Celeste so happy and everything when he's the one that's doing all the hard work. Fair. But it feels like Celeste has been getting better, you know, the last few months. And But he doesn't want to be Celeste's parent. Like, that's not his his thing. That's fair. It is. And they exchange Christmas gifts. They have a nice little moment under the tree. Aww. I know. So she's supposed to leave, as you might remember. Maybe Matt and Seth should hook up. Uh... Matt and Seth. Yeah, they'd be a good couple. Yeah, the two good people deserve each other. Exactly. Julie can go suck it with Finn. <laughs> or <laughs> Flat, Flat Finn or whoever she wants to be with. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you might remember, her she's supposed to go on this trip with her father for the holidays. Uh, yeah, of course. That, that was the thing. Yes. So her father cancels her holiday plans. Of course. Of course he does, because he's not a great father. And she does not have the heart to tell her mom, who had planned a cruise with, I think, a friend of hers, and so she doesn't want her to, like, try and back she out of the cruise. She's going to stick around with the crazy family. It's fine. Well... She doesn't want to intrude on the family's holidays. Oh, she, no. I know. <laughs> I was like, what does it matter, Julie? You're already there. You're already, like, basically long distance dating their other son <laughs> while trying to Crazy. psychologically fix their daughter. So she doesn't want to intrude on the families that she's staying with. And so she ends up staying at her friend's apartment who's out of town for that week or two. Okay. And she spends like her holidays alone, nice and depressing, until <laughs> until New Year's Eve, where her dad had promised to meet her for dinner in Boston. Like he said, I'll meet you there instead. So does she just not tell the other family, like, hey, I'll be staying in Boston, just not with you guys? No, she just pretends like she's going on. She's flat out lying to everybody. Like she doesn't tell it's her not mom. Good. That's what I'm getting at. Okay, that's what I'm getting at. Which is kind of understandable, okay. but she doesn't tell her the family that she's leaving either. She just like pretends like she went to California. So she's like, it's a long con because she's going to have to pretend like she did all of California stuff for the rest of her life. Well, can we see those photos from California, you're to California. Oh, take it. Let me just quickly Google for California. Oh, they were all lost in the airport uh, so x ray machine. Oh, no. So it's weird. So she's going to fall apart immediately. She's on this fancy dinner and, you know, place for dinner, and she's waiting for her dad, and she starts messaging Finn and she finds out that Matt left a gift from Finn in her bag. She hadn't noticed it yet. So she looks into her purse and she finds this necklace with this pretty purple stone and she's thrilled, of course. And inside is a holographic version of Finn because <laughs> yes, baby Finn. Finn's all the way down. <laughs> she's going to have just like multiple little Finns in her room. Maybe <laughs> everywhere. You're going to get tattooed. So uh, surprise, surprise, her father does not end up showing for dinner. Oh, that was my, I forgot he was going to show up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, she's waiting on her dad. So she ends up calling his secretary's assistant and she's like, oh my gosh, honey, did he not call you? He said he was going to call you and, and tell you that he couldn't make it. And she gets like really angry. She's like, I never want to see him again. This is ridiculous. I'm so over this. This happens all the time. And then she gets wasted on champagne, which she apparently can legally drink maybe in Boston. I don't know. Boston's drinking glass. <laughs> I, I don't think so, but sure. I don't know if it's 18 or 21 across the entire country, but she gets lots of free champagne because the assistant pays everything. And she gets super drunk and ends up back at her friend's apartment and calls Matt drunkenly. Oh, I know. And they celebrate New Year's Eve together over the phone. And she asks him, this is not related to anything. I just thought it was funny. She asks him if he's a skilled lover. I mean... Good question. <laughs> Wrong brother, you're asking, to super be fair. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> so she's super embarrassed the next morning, obviously, when she remembers what she did. Yeah. And she is watching 
the polar plunge on TV, you know, where they run into the ice cold. The, the polar bear plunge, yeah. yeah. And the water. And it's something that Finn had done in the past in Boston and had told her about doing. And she makes a sudden, like, on a whim, probably slightly still oh, drunk go do it. decision to participate. Yeah. <laughs> and she sends off this cryptic message to Finn, like a song lyric or something. I forget what she does. And she runs off to go do it, like crashes it. She's not signed up for it. She just, like, crashes it. I mean, bold. I'll give her that. It is very bold. And she ends up... Up being taken like she runs into the water and then freezes quite literally just well can't move like she doesn't it doesn't turn back she got to go back. no and this old timer that's i'm sure done it ten thousand times end up kind of like pushing her back in like you gotta go you can't stay in the water <laughs> so get out of here <laughs> yeah. And apparently Finn figured out her not as cryptic as she thought it was message and uh, told Matt and to go and get her. So Matt and Celeste like rush off to, to come find her. Because this is apparently super dangerous. I'd say dangerous, not- I guess. <laughs> and it's not like she's like going off to do this alone in the woods. She's at a very public place. Like, Where I'm sure they fine. have people and, and EMTs Cameras. and stuff available yeah. to like help out. I'm not saying... It's totally safe, but it's not a huge emergency. No, but Matt's acting like it is. Like, he's living about the whole, about the polar plunge now that she lied about being out of town, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that would be mad about too, sure. And she's, like, wrapping, wrapping her in a blanket. Obviously, she's super cool. And they get back into the car, and they're driving home, and they realize that they left the house without Flatfin. <gasps> I know. No. And so Celeste is having, like, a little mini meltdown. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what did we do? We're like, I need Flatfin. And... Julie uh, tells Celeste, she's like, you know what? He would have hated this trip. Look, it's like sleeting and it's cold outside and it's just, he would have been miserable. And she eventually like calms down. So I guess to give Julie credit, she kind of does have an in on what helps Celeste through some of these issues. Yeah, but like through no actual knowledge or experience, but through the writer making her know that. Right, of course. So in this like time period, they have added some more hinges to Flatfin. So now he can be folded down to travel size. Is he just being like, are they just adding more hinges like on his shoulders and his like torso? Or are they like making him fully articulated? Oh, I think they've added enough that they're practically fully articulated. But I think it starts with the like bendable parts like knees and arms. And right, stuff of course. Like okay. And so now he fits basically to a messenger bag. I believe is the, is the travel size. Okay. Well, I mean, I do want my portable boyfriend analog to be <laughs> travel sized. So that she can take him with her too. Carry on while you have to pay extra. <laughs> So that uh, morning, Celeste receives at breakfast, she's with the, the families all there, they're eating breakfast together, and Celeste receives an invitation to a slumber party, which Matt tries to hide from her, because she has no history of going to slumber parties, obviously, since she's And the anxiety slimmer. would kill her. <laughs> Probably. What's she going to do? Take a flat fin. And Celeste, like, Julie basically calls it out, like, what is that? Give that to me, kind of thing, and pulls it out, and Matt gets mad at her. He's like, I was trying to hide that, because she can't obviously can't go to the slumber party party and it's worse for her knowing that she was invited to something that she can't go to. Uh, Matt, I don't disagree, but I don't think it's your place to make those choices for her. Right. And so Celeste, when she realizes that she got invited, she's very pleased that she got invited by somebody at school because as we know, she doesn't have any friends. So this is like a new experience for her recently. But she's like, I know I can't go. It's fine. And Julie gets mad at everybody at the table who kind of just agrees. Like, yeah, you can't go. And Julie's like, what's wrong with you? Like, she clearly wants, like, really wants to go to this. 
but everybody's saying she can't go and just reinforcing that belief. Like, how is she ever going to get out of this if she never gets to go to anything? I mean, that is a fair point. Well, I think that would probably a better way to approach that would be like, how does Celeste feel about it? Does she feel like she can go to this? That's like, a better point. <laughs> like, nobody asked Celeste, which I, get, I think is Julie's point. <laughs> okay. So Celeste does end up deciding that she wants to go. Good. Good for her. I know. So she ends up taking Flatfin with her in her bag, you know, all folded down. Hey, point for Flatfin. Yeah, I mean, Flatfin being portable here just makes them easy to slip everywhere. Exactly. But that evening, very, very late, like 2 a.m. or something, they get a really late night phone call to pick up Celeste from the party. <gasps> I know. Poor Celeste. So Matt Were they playing spin the bottle with Flatfin? <laughs> it would have been funny, but no. <laughs> She just embraced it, like, look at my brother. Isn't he hot? Because <laughs> he is. Yeah, who wants to kiss a boy <laughs> analog? But uh, Matt gets really mad at Julie for, you know, having put Celeste into the situation. And he runs over, he gets Celeste, brings her home, and she's definitely having a bit of a meltdown, and goes to her room. She eventually lets Julie talk to her, and Julie's very apologetic to her. But Celeste basically is much calmer at this point. She's like, it's not your fault. I really wanted to go. It's just that at night, it's it gets really hard for me. It's when I like feel like I need flat fin the most. And but didn't she have flat fin with her? She did, but it's like couldn't you can't see it, you know, like wasn't present, yeah, gotcha. present. So it like it just wasn't the same experience for her, I guess. Fair enough. I know. So outside the bedroom door, Matt and Julie get to this big fight about how she's letting her issues with her own father try and make solve all these other people's problems. Oh, just like the professor said <laughs> 10,000 pages ago. Who would have thought that would come back? <laughs> Who knew? And they, so they get into this huge argument. It goes on for like a couple of pages. They storm off. They're both in their own rooms. And hours later, she just can't handle it anymore because Julie, Julie, Julie being Julie. Julie and, being Julie can't leave well enough alone. So she sneaks into Matt's room and she apologizes what? to him. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. He's awake. We say he's stuck into his room without, like, without him knowing about it. Well, probably at the beginning, but he quickly realizes she's in his room and they apologize to each other and she ends up laying down like in the bed with him and they kind of snuggle. And then they start making out because she apparently can't pick a person in this story to be in love with. Julie! Why? <laughs> Julie! Julie! Bad Julie! Bad Julie, no biscuit. Oh, come on. It's a brother. <laughs> uh, the one you're kind of... Mm, you literally Julie just told, like, what, a month ago? Three weeks ago that you loved? <laughs> apparently, she has no self-control because she's a teenager or something. I guess that's it. The next morning, Celeste is up. She's feeling a lot better, and she is making them breakfast. And she wants to have a, a group meeting. <laughs> Love Celeste. House is actually meeting. The best character. House meeting. Everyone here. <laughs> she does kind of like calls meeting order. She tells Matt and Julie that she heard their fight. And she's very disappointed in them. They need to get over it. <laughs> like her. <laughs> no, she's great. And she needs to start taking responsibility for her own self. And she doesn't need Flatfin all of the time. She's gotten a lot better, you know, going to some things without Flatfin present. But she sure. doesn't need them all the time either. Like, she needs to figure out a, a happy medium where she has her own needs met but can still be on her own. Sounds very healthy. I know. And so she's like, this. maybe that summer all of us can go to the beach together, like do a trip. That might be fun. And Matt points out that like, surely Julie's going to be like looking for a new apartment by then. Because Julie's not going to live here forever. Is, she, <laughs> like, is Julie the new separation totem? Like is replacing Flatfin in Celeste's needy space? It's, it's possible. They never play it like that in the book, but I could see where that would be a possibility for sure. Yeah. And... I think he's just feeling super awkward about the fact that they made out because he's like, you're going to leave, right? <laughs> you need to get out of here. I can't. The guilt is killing me. I know you I like betrayed my brother. My brother. <laughs> like, aren't there 
epics that are written about <laughs> brother betrayal. Yes, and that's actually what happens is uh, he helps Flatfin murder real Finn. Ooh. Mm, there you go. See, now that's an interesting story. <laughs> I know. Finn's not dead. He's right here, mother. So this is apparently the first time that this has occurred to Julie. Like, oh yeah, I have to leave at some point. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just live here rent-free forever. And it's like, well, now it's all awkward with Matt. And this is kind of the part of the book where lots of stuff happens for Celeste. She talks her mom into being kind of a little more present in her life. They have uh, a girl stay at the spa with one of the the person who oh, invited her easy. to the slumber party. They It kind of like, it glosses over it a little bit, but it also is like clearly leading to that at some point. I just kind of okay. skimmed over that in my notes because not as irrelevant. All right, all right. I, will, I won't rag on it too hard It then. does. Kind of, it is kind of just a, like, oh, isn't that convenient? The mom feels like she can be more present now <laughs> yeah right like uh, i just asked and i would like you didn't ask me to be more present dear that why i wasn't if <laughs> yeah, you ever asked when you were otherwise. younger i would have done so and she invites that friend that invited her to the slumber party and so she's got a little group now and a space opens up at dana's her friend's house and so now she is gonna julie's gonna move in there next semester oh cool matt and her aren't talking though so they went from being best friends and makeout buddies to uh now we're not gonna speak to each other because we're super awkward <laughs> I mean, I get that. I do. When you're like living together and she's supposedly in love with your brother. Yeah. Also, you're bothering yourself, Julie. <laughs> so Aaron ends up having a little heart to heart with Julie, telling her that she's going to try harder with the kids. She wants to take Celeste for like a girls weekend, but she does tell her that she can, Julie can stay as long as she wants to. They really loved having her around, but she obviously understands it might be nice to have a different college experience with, you know, friends or, you know, not yeah, in the house. <laughs> And that she'd get to decorate her own room so she wouldn't just be living in this, you know, to, to bo- this boy, boy's room that she's in. Like, Matt, she says, you wouldn't be in Matt's room. I know it's not as female friendly. And Julie's like, you mean Finn's room? Because Matt told her it was Finn's room. And the mom is like, nope, Matt moved into Finn's room a while ago. You're in Matt's room, Matt's old room. What is going on here? <laughs> You'll find out. So this obviously throws her for a loop, just as it did Sam, everybody. <laughs> I mean... I'm not so much on who was like, why do I care? <laughs> like, I sure, oh, you got the bigger room. The older brother moves out, the younger brother gets, like, sure, whatever. Like, why is this a big plot point? <laughs> well, she doesn't know yet, right? So she's, like, kind of reflecting on it. Like, well, this is kind of weird because there's, like, stuff in there that kind of relates to Matt. Like, a skydiving t-shirt that was left behind. You know, that kind of stuff where you're, like, this R- is... It relates to Finn. Finn, sorry. Yeah, that relates to Finn. And so it's, like, a skydiving t-shirt and stuff. And just had, like, everybody told her it was Finn's room, apparently. It's not. <laughs> and so she's kind of, like... Oh, okay. She's not quite sure what it means yet. And this book is trying so hard it does. to like, it drops a lot be of mysterious and twisty, and I'm not here for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost done, Sam. And so she's out with Dana, her friend, that uh, day, and she ends up seeing this little local artesian shop. And in the most coincidental part of the entire book, she decides to stop in there to see if there's any going away gifts she can give to Celeste. And there are flat fins everywhere. Yes. How did you know? <laughs> It's actually a conspiracy. Flat Finn's not even Finn's not even a real person. It's just like they're mass produced. AI like, like, <laughs> game. It's a chatbot on Facebook that they've all tricked her into thinking is their long lost brother yeah, or whatever. Just to mess with her. There's like a it's like a five month, six month, year long pranking. <laughs> Uh, maybe they have issues. I don't know. I don't know either. So while she's in there trying to look for a gift for Celeste, she finds, coincidentally, finds the same hair clip that Finn sent Celeste earlier for the holidays. The exact same one the or the same, same one? Kind? It's a local artesian, like, only made there locally. Are you saying artesian? Yeah. Oh, okay. Artisan. <laughs> 
Would you like it better? I, mean, I don't know. I've never heard. I've heard of artesian wells. <laughs> An artisan hair clip, Sam. You and your boy weren't choices today. <laughs> Look, I mean, I don't know. I thought like it may have meant something different because I've never heard it said <laughs> Maybe it's said that way. Maybe it's not. Maybe I've just never heard it said out loud. Who knows? <laughs> anyway. So she finds this hair clip. Artisan hair clip. Hair clip. So, so no, but what I mean, it's like, it's not the exact same one. It's like another version of like, they didn't like pawn it back to this person. No, it's not the exact same one, but it's like a locally made hair clip. Right. But it's like so has Finn multiple versions in of Boston. that. Thing. So Finn has to be in Boston or something akin to that. Yeah. Or he sent Matt out to buy it for him. I mean, that's entirely possible too, but the package came from wherever he was staying at the time. Like, all the postage stamps on it were from South Africa or wherever the heck he was at the time. So how do they do that? Do they mail it to South Africa and then back to the U.S.? Sam, seriously, like, two minutes. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry, Danielle. Am I trying to guess things too much? How how weird. How, how frustrating Danielle must that like be for you? you? <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> So she suddenly realized what's going on. But sorry, you don't get to know that yet, Sam. <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay, now I don't feel like bad for because this book is being purposely frustrating. <laughs> so once she's back to the house, she writes a final email to Finn. This is what the email says, basically. It says, basically, you're amazing. I fell in love with you and then made out with your brother. She doesn't say that part, but that's true. I mean, it's in there. It should be. <laughs> I fell in love with you, but we both know this is over. The last few weeks have kind of shown that. Like, they've kind of lost touch over the last few weeks since the whole Matt debacle. Yeah. And we've shared so much, but it's all, like, about to get worse. And I just wanted to say that I really, like, loved you and appreciated you and everything before it just gets completely out of control, which it's about to. Just FYI. According to her, that's what her note says. <laughs> to him. <laughs> How ominous and not helpful. I know. But apparently she thinks that Finn's gonna understand that. So she goes to the parents' room and finds an old photo album full of photos of Finn that seem really familiar, but they're not like the same ones that she's seen, like on his Facebook or that he sent her. And then she leaves the room and she runs into Matt, who's outside of it. And he's like, you know, don't you? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> Finn's a ghost. I was right from the start. He's like, I've been trying to figure out how to tell you for months. I thought it'd be easier maybe once you moved out. She's just- Maybe, she's, you know, after you found my brother, I thought that'd be a good time to tell <laughs> like you. Like any time in the last year, but no, I'm not going to tell you anything. And she gets, she's getting like really frustrated at him. She's like, just say it. Just say it out loud. Like, And he tells her that Finn is dead, Sam. <laughs> hey, who was right? You, you were right. Yeah. But I wasn't going to tell you like two pages in my notes. <laughs> No, of course not, but <laughs> come on. Sexy ghost fin. <laughs> Sexy ghost fin. So, so wasn't Matt writing all that stuff the whole time? Yeah, Matt's been pretending to be Finn the entire time. Ah, <laughs> uh, who's so good at this game? <laughs> he's photoshopping photos. He's sending the gifts. And yes, he did actually track down a friend in a similar area to Finn and send it to them to send it back. To, to where Finn was, because Finn died up presumably in South Africa, oh. right? No, he did not. You're going to find out where Finn died in a moment. Okay, great. So his... But here's the real question. Are they keeping this from Celeste? Because that is messed no, up. No, Celeste does know that Finn died. Like, everybody in the family knows that Finn died. Okay. 
Okay. I mean, yeah, that's that'd be not crazy. good, but it's better. So Celeste is fully aware that, like, that did not actually come from Finn, but she's just along for the ride because I think it obviously feels better to her to pretend like that Finn exists and that Finn is right, not right. there Right, okay. I, I, got, I got where this is going. I just want to make sure that they weren't, like, doing an elaborate charade to keep Celeste happy. Mm, I mean, kind of, but not, like, she knows. She knows what he said. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's all I got. I mean, yes, technically it is an elaborate charade. Because that'd be a million times worth They're like, no, Finn's not dead. He's just, you know, out of farm upstairs. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> no, that's not what's happening. I mean, close, hey. but not really. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Celeste knows. It's, it's Celeste like knows that with less lie. It's like, it's like a shared lie as opposed to an imposed lie. <laughs> this is a lot of humor before this really depressing story. <laughs> Look, Danielle, this is how, this is, if people came to our dumb podcast for serious discussions of human psychology, then I'm very sorry. Yeah, yeah this is not the episode for you. I apologize. And so apparently Matt's life used to be a lot more like Finn's. Like he traveled, he loved to skydive, he used to go on a big adventures, but he stopped all of that after Finn died because obviously he didn't want to like risk... He didn't want to be away from his family, but he also didn't want to, like, skydive, you know, like, put more risk on his life for his parents. And apparently, Finn died in a car accident, and their mom was driving at the time. Was she drunk? No, she was in her depressive state. That was true. Like, the fact that her his mom went to Ah. basically, like, a catatonic depressive state, and she was driving, but she doesn't really remember driving. And Finn got in the car to, like, stop her, and they drove off, and she ended up getting into a car accident. So, Celeste ended up seeing the whole thing walking home from a piano practice. Yeah, that'd mess a kid up. It, it would. And so after months of depression and catatonic states, Flat Finn was born. Like Celeste came up with this idea on her own to order a cardboard cutout online and have it delivered. And she just kind of like turned it around to like she was capable of going to school and doing stuff again. And yeah, she was not like her 100% How normal Celeste, self. How Celeste like the strongest, most capable person in this whole book? I don't know. It's great. She's like somehow the... Like, the person that's supposedly the weirdest, quote-unquote, but also the one that somehow managed to actually pull herself together with no help from her family. <laughs> yeah, like, she seems to be the person, like, yeah, she has a coping mechanism, but she, like, she found that on her own when her whole family basically did nothing to help. Yeah, and I would argue that Matt's done pretty well for himself, too. Like, I think... And he's helping. I, sh- I should not be so down no, on that, but I also th- kind of, like... If he was in a different family or, like, a family that managed to pull themselves together better, I think he'd be fine. Like, he's just left with kind of the outcome of it. He seems, like, yeah, emotionally... He's dealt with it fairly well. And it kind of also, this the presence of Flatfin obviously sort of revived the household as well. Everybody kind of just took to it and ran with it because it helped Celeste and then it helped the mom. And then everybody was just like, well, I guess we'll just have Flatfin in our lives. You know, I mean, again, I'm not here to tell anyone what's healthy, what's not healthy. So good for them. Yeah. So Julie's kind of like, why did you guys let me into this house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Massey, like, I don't, I don't know, but I'm assuming that my mom let you in because, one, like, the loyalty that she felt as a friend to, her, like, Julie's yeah, sure. mom. But also, they, like, she just maybe needed some, an outsider, like, somebody to shake it up. Like, maybe she just felt like it was, it was time to kind of move on. And maybe that was, so, to have somebody from the outside see it, maybe it would somehow work. Apparently it did. I know. So, Julie cannot get over this. She's like, you've lied to me for, like... Ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, meddler in chief here, Julie. Uh, I I agree. That is quite a lot of lying that they could have 
just avoided from the start. Yes, I think they could have easily told her all this at the beginning, but clearly Matt was not ready for it, nor was the rest of the family. Or just told her, don't worry about it. Yes, but Julie is nothing if not uh, 100% into getting into everybody else's lives. Fair. So she can't basically can't forgive Matt. She's like, this is, like, this is too weird. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I, I understand why all this happened, but I can't. Like, I fell in love with a person who's dead. <laughs> No, you fell in love with Matt pretending to be someone who right, was dead. Right, which he kind of argues is like the, all the conversations we had, like, yeah, I was pretending to be Finn, but I was like me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying what he did was good or that that isn't like catfishing, obviously, or something, but it's not like he doesn't exist. It's just, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not saying she should forgive him because that's a terrible deception, but obviously it's like this is not the exact same thing. Right, right. And she's like, he even says to her like, this is the most I've ever been me in since this happened, you know, since the accident. Like this is talking to you was the most me I've been. <laughs> right. So he was trying to be himself, just Finn. So three months goes by. She is moved out of the house. She meets weekly with Celeste, so she does still have that contact with her. Well, good, good for Celeste. Yeah, but she hasn't seen Matt in that entire time. And mm, Poor Matt. I know, it's so sad. But Celeste has decided to have a going away party for Flappin, and she's invited Julie to it. Oh, that's cute. I know. See, she's the most capable person in this family. She's great. And on one of the little visits that she does each week, Celeste's dad comes along and notices the necklace that uh, Finn supposedly gave her, the one with the purple stone that she got on New Year's Eve. And she hasn't been able to take it off. Like, she still wears it, even though she knows it's not really from Finn and it's from Matt. And he's like, that rock was from Matt, right? And she's, she says, yeah. And he goes, that, I can't believe that he parted with that because he was super into stones when he was little and they did this big stone thing, camp or something. Yeah, and rock blah, blah, tumbler blah. and everything. Yeah, like he was one of those kids. And he was always on the search for like the, the stone that nobody could find in the area, you know, like that special stone that's unlikely to be found. And he eventually found the one that she was wearing. And was like his prized treasure for all of his childhood. And he's like still to this day wouldn't let people like mess with it kind of thing. And apparently he turned it into a necklace for her. So his dad was like, that really means something. I know that, that he... four months he knew you. He really fell hard <laughs> when he gave you that. Like, I don't know. I guess she probably was there for a, almost a year, I'd assume. Yeah, but when did he give her the necklace at Christmas time, right? Oh, yeah. That's that's a good New Year's Eve. So yeah. five months. Yeah. You're right, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> they, they talked a lot, both in person and online. I mean, yeah, it was but like she didn't know it was It's like him. 10 months, Sam, if you add the two lives together. <laughs> it's like dog years, right? They're basically like known each other a year. <laughs> All right. Well, gosh, forgive me for, for being so upset. There's plenty of time. Anyway, basically, like, you know, Matt really does care for you. He's trying his best. He obviously didn't go about it in a good way. But, you know, give him some credit. He was he was trying. And the whole family's messed up, let's be honest. <laughs> So she ends up going to the party. She's like, yeah, I can deal with Matt for a day. Not a big deal. So she goes to the party, but she kind of has, it's a flashback. It's like, like a page or two of flashbacks to all the great times that her and Matt had together. Skill! <laughs> and she goes to the party and she has this plan with Celeste. And the plan is to kidnap Matt. This is almost done, I swear. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So they kidnap Matt. Like the bar- like before- I think it's even before they actually say officially say goodbye to Flatfin, which I think is hilarious. They take Matt, blindfold him, put him in a car, drive him off. Been there. And they end up at a skydiving place. Like one of those indoor ones? No, like, or like an, an actual, actual skydiving, skydiving place. Okay. Because that was like the whole thing with her in the elevator and Matt, who was 
supposedly Finn was helping her through all of that. And they talk about skydiving multiple times in the book. And they take her to a skydiving place. And the book ends with them basically saying, now all you have to do is jump. Like, tandem jump out of a skydive. And that is the end of the book. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, the ending was the least interesting part of that book. <laughs> oh, wow. I really... I wanted more shenanigans from that <laughs> I know, book. No, with like a flat fin. <laughs> I wanted flat fin to be more Active menacing. <laughs> I like. There's a book I've been wanting to do for this podcast. We'll see if I can get to it, but it's like 700 pages, so <laughs> <laughs> it's it'll be a thing. But there is evil mannequins in that book that are possessed. Ooh, and we should definitely do that. Yeah, and I wanted something like that for for this. Yeah, I wish it was. However, this is more of a, I guess, a love story, but a kind of a weird one. Psychological drama. But you're in luck, Sam, because there are two sequels to this book. So perhaps oh. one of them is evil. Um, there's a 1.5 sequel, so I assume perhaps a novella. I just learned this the other day when I was, uh, okay. even though I've read this book a couple of times, actually. <laughs> also, admit. I want to say, the love triangle you found is even more remarkable because <laughs> she was in a love triangle with the same person. I know. <laughs> it's like literally the best love triangle i've ever found this is amazing well she's in a love you. quadrangle she dumped one of them was still in a love triangle but it turns out that the love triangle it was, a was the same person it's simply incredible your best work and do you want to guess what the sequels are called sam oh uh, this one's called flat out love right yeah and i'll tell you the next one's from matt's perspective uh jumping for love no. <laughs> that'd be a good one though right <laughs> Um, stupid crazy love. It's, that's a movie. No, it's even more obvious, Sam. She really just Sengale? ran. No, she ran with her name. It's called Flat Out Matt. That's not obvious. That's stupid. Who are you talking about? Guess what it's the next flat one's called? It's from Celeste's perspective. Is that Flat Out Celeste? It is. Those are so. I might I'm read so them. disappointed. I'm gonna read them. Jumping for Love would be a much better name. <laughs> I didn't know they existed until I was reading because I read this book a few years ago and then. Uh, just of course re I actually think I read it twice this was probably my third time reading it oh you really love this book no it's not that I really love it I reread books because I can't usually remember what quite happened in them <laughs> that but too. the first time I read it I was like that was a weird book but I kind of liked it <laughs> and then the second time I read it I was like yeah that was still a weird book <laughs> Still kind of like it, which is fine. <laughs> and then the third time I was like man I hate Julie but I still kind of like the book <laughs> I, the book gives you a lot to work with. Like Julie, as the center of the book, is from your retelling. Uh, I want to be clear. Everyone, I have not read this, so I'm definitely talking out my butt when I when I talk about things like this. <laughs> but from what you have described, it sounds like Julie, as the center of the book, is the least interesting part, and it's everyone around her who is way more interesting. Absolutely, and I love Celeste. I think she's great. Um, Matt's you know relatively strong character. I enjoy him as a lead. I guess exactly. But Flat Finn, top notch character. Absolutely. Like I said, he's the best character. Him and Celeste are like the two top characters for sure. I really wish it'd be like a Casper situation, like the movie with like the ghost boy inside. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you know, that's just me. Maybe I go with the supernatural too no, much. I really thought that would have made a strong story. It's okay. I think there was a um, Peter S. Beagle book about that, actually. <laughs> Where they turn a paper thing into a... No, but there was a ghost boy and a girl fell in love with it. It was like Tamsin, I think was the name of it. Like I'm like, oh, the guy who wrote The, the Last Unicorn. This is going to be good. I almost read a book about a girl who falls in love with a ghost that lives in her bedroom. Like, I almost did it for the podcast. I might still do it for the podcast. <laughs> Ooh. It's everything this book I want this book to be, but I... <laughs> I just, I really just wanted more from Flatfin. I wanted him to be more like, I wanted Julie to be like, am I really attracted to this cardboard cutout? People like struggling with that. 
<laughs> she just mentioned that he's cute. I kind of wanted to see, once he was travel-sized, I sort of wanted to see Celeste, like, go do stuff with Flatfin a bit. Yeah, I want to see, like, I want to see, like, one of those montages where they have, like, a, he's on the roller coaster, he's on the thing, he's on the, during the coin yeah, toss, the, the ring cool. toss. But I think that, I think... The concept of Flat Finn, he's like super present for the first half of the book and then he kind of fades out. And I assume part of that's just because you're focusing on Julie and her relationships and everything going on. But I think part of that was probably the author's way of like phasing out Flat Finn, like to show yeah, that know. he wasn't being used as much. But he's the hook. He's the glue that holds no, his family together. <laughs> the mom even says that drunkenly on the floor. I know. I remember. <laughs> it's just like having Finn there. There you go. Flat out love. Flat out love. Good name for the first book. Terrible name for the subsequent <laughs> books. Do not disagree. I was like, really? That's what she went with for her sequels? I mean, I get it, but also, like, flat out Matt doesn't even, like, make any sense unless, unless, oh, all right. If there's a flat Matt Let's in see. the sequel, <laughs> sign me up. They actually mentioned that, Celeste mentions that she's, because Matt is, like, you, like, you don't even, he just mentions at one point that, like, Finn got all the, the credit and you did Celeste like Finn more and Celeste, that's not true. Like, I appreciate everything that you do. And if you were the one that had died, I'd have a flat Matt and I would laugh every day at the alliteration of it. <laughs> Which is great. I just really want this whole book to be series of flat cutouts having an adventure. Like, flat out love is Finn. Flat Matt, Matt doing his Matt stuff. Flat out <laughs> Celeste, Celeste makes a cardboard cutout of herself. Uh-oh, <laughs> is this a parent trap situation? Could be. Maybe flat uh, flat out, flat Finn gets a girlfriend at some point. <gasps> oh, like a Bride of Frankenstein. Exactly. See, so much potential. Agreed. Well, that was definitely one of the weirder books you brought me. Uh, it was definitely weird. I wasn't quite sure if it would work, but it seems like it didn't do too badly. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun with it. I mean, there are some parts where we're like, okay, let's get through all the relationship drama to get back to the crazy because... <laughs> well, we had to have the relationship drama because I had to express how amazing my love quadrangle triangle was. No, I get it. But, you know, personally, I prefer the crazy, weird stuff to the to the love triangle, but that's just me. I know you do. That book definitely had enough to keep me intrigued with you retelling. <laughs> Even though you guessed it, uh, not that far into it. I mean, I guess a lot of things. Yeah. Let's be honest, Daniel. <laughs> I don't even know if I also At think the first time I read it. Chucky doll I version think the first, of it. So. I think the first time I read it, I also suggested to myself that he probably had died, but uh, and it turned yeah. out to be correct. But you never know until you know. <laughs> right, exactly. So <laughs> it's fine. Well, I guess if anyone out there would want to write it and tell us what they would do with their flat fin, travel size or no. That's what I was going to suggest. So that I wanted to yeah. hear it too. Where would you take your, your flat fin, flat mat, flat Celeste? <laughs> Where would you take your flat family? <laughs> your flat family. <laughs> That's right. really hard to say. I keep, like flat fin is really hard to say out loud. Just for the record. Flat fin is okay. Flat mat's a little harder for whatever reason. Flat just mat. because of, like the F and the M. I actually know. almost think flat mat's easier than flat fin. See, I like the flat fin. The alliteration goes with me. No. You can tell the yeah. story next time. Alright, maybe you can wait on this too. <laughs> Listeners, write in and tell us which one you think is more fun to say. Flat mat or flat fin? Twitter poll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so keep an eye for that. And if you want to tell us what you do with your flat person of choice, you can reach us at bookretorts.com. You can also tweet Instagram or Facebook us at book retorts and if you want to hear us discussing other weird things in our bonus content you can do that at patreon at patreon.com slash book retorts book retorts that's patreon. us <laughs> <laughs> every time i'm always surprised by it i don't know why
I don't know. I, you'd think I would learn, Danielle, but I guess I'm just a big yeah, old dummy dumb. I think of something else to say, but I panic in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still fresh to me, so I guess it works. <laughs> when you get when you are su- no longer surprised by it, I'll change it up. Oh no! Just when I get used to it, suddenly blindsided again. Uh, well, uh, until next time, maybe you should get a life set cut off yourself to go to parties when you don't want to. For you, I'm going to have one in my for house. Meetings. Who meetings would be good? Like in front of a Zoom, you'd never know. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I mean, I, to be fair, I think I've read a story about that being done at least once or twice. So I think I'm going to get one just so I have something to talk to in my house. <laughs> Besides your cat? Besides my cat. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm sure she'd appreciate it. It could keep her company while I'm at work. That's fair. She would love that because cats, as we know, are super social. <laughs> sure, she would. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time then. Bye. Take care, everybody. kind of made out on facebook it's fine how do you make out on facebook they made out on when they were just pretend skydiving sam what did he say like i kissed you or whatever yeah he does i skipped that part because it wasn't really relevant so they sexed through facebook yeah yeah lightly like pg version that's the saddest thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> you would like me to add that into my <laughs> nope nope i can just put it at the end of the episode because <laughs> perfect <laughs> it's not important enough to put in there but boy is that depressing <laughs> just a little